Welcome to another edition of Good Old Sports, where we just cover everything from uh, local high school sports here in East Texas all the way to the pros. And uh, we, we kind of offer you a different perspective here than some of the other shows. And I'm Riley Payton, my best friend and co-host Adrian Herndon. And so we're just uh, glad that you've chosen to tune in to our sports show again on this Monday. Well, let's just uh, kind of get started. I mean, it was a packed weekend for football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so a couple of... Uh, Fun yet upsetting games, but I mean, just you know, we covered Friday night. We were in uh, Omaha out at Paul Pewitt and um, the Paul Pewitt and Troop game, and that was an exciting game. Um, and and kind of in, in honor of you know the their uh, Troop's teammate, uh, Cooper Reed, you mm-hmm. know, uh, who's in the hospital now, uh, right now, who uh, suffered a uh, head injury in last Friday night's game. Um, and so they were out, you know, and playing in honor of him and they played hard. They played, uh, played a good game, but, um, that was just one of the games that was, uh, <laughs> the latest game we've covered thus far. Well, and, and if you want to talk about, if you're into, uh, exciting offensive football, yeah. you got it in Paul Pitt on Friday night, although, uh, the Brahmas did fall short, sixty to fifty-six, with thirty seconds left on the clock. But I mean, both teams have have some uh, explosiveness on the offensive side of the football. But I think we both saw where uh, both teams have some weaknesses as far as the defense is concerned. Yeah, uh, it's like we said. It's like neither defense showed up to play in second half. I mean, everybody was just uh, you know, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown. It was back and forth. I, I, when we talk about, I don't know that either defense got a stop. No, they didn't in the second half. No, because they went in what fourteen, fourteen at half, maybe. It was it twenty one fourteen. Yeah, twenty one fourteen at the half. Yeah, twenty one fourteen uh-huh. at half. Um, and, and okay, Puett got one stop to start the second half because it was twenty one fourteen, and Puett stopped them. And went down and scored, and after that, so there was one stop the entire second half. Yeah, it. I mean, it was just back to back. We had a hard time keeping up on each side, either side of the end of the field, because I mean, every time we move, they score, so we had to go right back down to the other end. So, I mean, but like like you said, if you wanted some very exciting theatrical plays and offense, you should have been in Pewitt. On Friday night, because I mean they showed it. I mean, um, one of the plays, you know, uh, was it? It wasn't Pewitt's final score uh, or last touchdown, but it was, um, you know, the one where you know we thought the guy was down, and then he breaks the tackle and runs in for the touchdown. I think yes. that was their final score. It was. It was on a fourth down play. Yeah, fourth down play, and everybody's scrambling, and he's. You know, like he's about to throw it, and then he just decides to run with it. And uh, for sure, I, I thought they had him down, and Troop did too. Until you know, he just but, but Troop didn't quit. You know, yeah. and that that you got to hand it to him. Now you had the you had the one play on the two point conversion. <laughs> so Troop's going for two to go up by four points instead of three, and if you would just had to have been there. But folks, this kid goes out of bounds, 
or is headed out of bounds and decides to just throw it up and there's not an eligible receiver anywhere. And Pewitt picked it off, ran it back. I mean, so there was just a lot of excitement there. But if you want to go see the slot T run to perfection, go to Pewitt and yeah. watch Coach Reggie Cumroy. He's been there, uh, I think, 25 years total now. Some as the head coach, and he's back as the offensive coordinator. I mean, he just knows how to run that offense and how to just ground and pound, take what he'll, what the defenses give him, and just get after it. Yeah, and it's very disciplined as well. Um, uh, you know, as you know, Coach Abram, who's, who's now the head coach for uh, Pittsburgh, uh, coached there for two years, and you know he led led the team to state his second year there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that team you can tell that they run out of the slot tee with uh, a lot of discipline, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and knowledge of the and knowledge and execution of the the offense. Yeah. And, you know, their quarterback, uh, Hayden Green, I mean, the kid is very talented on the field. Now, uh, we got some, you know, new or knowledge that, you know, he may be pursuing baseball mm-hmm. uh, in the future. But, I mean, I would love to still see him play football. I mean, he's he's talented on the field. I don't know how good he is in baseball. But um, at football, man, he's very talented kid. Um, mm-hmm. hard, hard. Plays hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Tough is what, you know, his yeah. uh, classmates and fellow students uh, or student peers uh, speak of. He's tough. And we've seen that Friday night. He's a really tough kid. But, yeah, people played a good game. It's, you know, wish it would have been a lot more defensive uh, in the second half. But uh, I got to give it to Troop. I mean, they never they never gave up. Given some, given some uh, incidents on the field, uh, that I didn't agree with, uh, and I believe that has to do with coaching and disciplinary actions that need to be taken uh, on both sides. Yeah, there was some disciplinary. Yeah, actions. yeah, and you know, Pewitt were provoked, extremely provoked. Yes. <laughs> uh, but you got to know how to keep a level head in those situations. But that's where I thought uh, that Coach uh, Dorsey, their athletic director, did a very good job. He called the timeout and he's like, "Listen, th- th- oh, yeah. this can't keep happening. You, you got to, you know, keep your head to the ground, just play football." And then we kind of got to listen a little bit to some of his post game stuff, and you could just tell him, and he's letting them know this isn't acceptable for our program. Right. And, and I would expect the same thing on the troop side. But that's one thing, you know, if teams are going to win ball games, especially close ball games, you have to play discipline. You can't be giving up those 15-yard penalties uh, right. that result in automatic first downs. You, you just can't do that. You can't. Uh, Pewitt had another kid for the second week in a row get ejected. He's going to have to sit out. Uh, for the first half of this week's ball game, I, and it's one of their starters. And it's one of their starters. They had the same thing happen to an offensive lineman last uh, the week before uh, against Mount Vernon. You, you just can't have that. And, and so, if you're if you're looking to make some sort of noise in the playoffs, you're just going to have to say, "Listen, that's not acceptable." But if you're Pewitt, if you're going to make any sort of noise in the playoffs, which I think they have the ability to do, just because they can score uh, so efficiently, but you're gonna have to do something with that secondary. Uh, Troop just lit you up. I mean, you know, they exposed you as far as not being able to cover a soul. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and and that's something you know. I, you you 
you play with the Jimmys and Joes that you got. I right? I mean, you know, you, you can't you can't coach a kid to be tall. You can't coach him to be fast. You can't coach that. But you're just gonna have to do some things to get some help on that backside of that defense, right? You know, to try and make teams have to play between the tackles, you know, and and do some other things. Um. I'm not gonna say I would recommend a different defense, but you know you're right. Is you know uh, that's just like the final score that uh, Troop had, you know, again uh, in the hook and lateral. Uh, yeah. That nobody, nobody covered him. Yeah. And, and, you know, Troop does a, a a good job with that play. They motion the back over, and they they literally just motion him over into that right behind the slot receiver. Okay, and, and they did a good job of disguising it. There was a miscommunication where the safety didn't roll down to right. it to stack him, and uh, uh, you know it's just one of those plays that you got to catch that, you got to roll that guy down and be on top of it, or it'll come back to bite you. Especially in the situation that Troop was in at that point, in the ball game and that whole situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just couldn't couldn't let something like that happen, and they did. But if you're Pewitt. Hey, be proud of your kids. They play hard. They don't have a lot of numbers on the sidelines. Pretty much everybody uh, plays both ways. But they play hard. They get after it. You know, if you're troop, see what you can do, you know. Yeah. Especially with that offensive attack. I mean, you know, you can throw the ball. You know, I just don't know how consistently you can rely on guys being that wide open all the time. Exactly, yeah. And that's what I was about to say. I mean... The reason why that kid, you know, number six, was consistently getting open. I mean, he was just burning everybody down the field. Yeah. I mean. And you're not going to have that every week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going to run it, like we talked about, you're going to run into some cats that can uh, block and or that can cover you. Mm-hmm. Or just as fast, if not faster than you. I mean, but, you know, you could look forward to that in, this, in the season, uh, the remainder of the season. But, uh, yeah, Pewitt, you know. They would have to fix that because, you know, you can't consistently give up yards in the past game like that week after week. No. And they 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 did uh, Friday night against Troop. And, but, and one thing that was different about uh, uh, Paul Pitt this year as compared to years past under Coach Cumro is that he, I mean, for years was the king of running the play clock down to one, snapping the ball, getting two or three yards, doing it all over again, and just kind of marching down the field. But Friday night, we saw more of a, not not, not necessarily an up-tempo, but, I mean, they were just breaking plays. Now, I think a lot of that had to do with the poor defensive line play from Troop. So I'd be interested to see how Coach Cumro kind of approaches yeah. some teams that they have a better defensive line. He probably goes back to that, let's wait till. We can run some time off the clock and just hold on to the football. But that was something that if you're a Pewitt fan and have been for many years, that you probably saw Friday night that's a little bit different uh, than what you've done in t- in years past. But, yeah, if you want to see that offense the way that it was just textbook to be run, I, I told you Friday night, he is the Moses of the slot team. I mean, he's yeah. got the Ten Commandments in his office. You know, he just knows how to do it, and if you want to see that, Go, go catch a Paul Pewitt game uh, this season. Some other scores. Gilmer uh, beat Lindale 31-23. It was a close, closer ball game than many expected, yeah, uh, yeah. including myself. My brother actually went to that game and just kind of looking at some things from where I understand. Gilmer, you know, made some mistakes. 
Lindell's a good team. Gilmer made some mistakes. There was a couple calls that were questionable. So it's just one of those games. And that's why I tell people, the game is not played on paper. On any given Friday, something like that can happen, and you get a ball to bounce one way or the other, and Gilmer loses that ball game. Yeah. I mean, just a game they shouldn't lose, but you can. You know, yeah. you play teams that can beat you. Well, I figured it was going to be a good game. I didn't think the score was going to be like that, but I figured it was, you know, Lindell was going to put up a fight, of course, because it's oh, Lindell. Yeah. And, you know, going against Gilmer, it's, it's sort of, uh, it's not a rivalry, but it's sort of like, you know, two hard nosed playing teams that. Uh, in East Texas, in, in these parts of East Texas, is going to match up and go uh, toe to toe on Friday. You better expect a good game, and I did. I just didn't expect, you know, uh, that type of score. I, I thought it would be a two score ball I, game. Yeah, I, 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 did. I didn't expect it to be a one score game at all. No, uh, it, but hey, again, that's just a testament to Glendale's a good team. I think that that was a good measuring stick for them moving forward. Uh, yeah. uh, they're in Division One, about you know, compared to some teams that they're going to be playing. But then I also think that that's a good game for you. Need games like that. You can't beat well unless you're Carthage, and we'll talk about that in a minute. You can't <laughs> beat everybody all the time. You've got to be tested at some point. Some team's going to have to show you, hey, we need to tweak this or tweak that, so that when you're playing in late November and into December, yeah. You already kind of know these are some some contingency plans that we have in place to make some changes when they're needed. Yeah, uh, and, and a lot of people forget that they want to beat everybody by fifty. You know, from from pre district through district, and some teams will uh, because you're just that much better than those teams. But at some point, ninety five percent of the time, at some point, you're going to play somebody that's going to expose some things. Yeah, and if you haven't tested your kids, you know they 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 panic. They don't know what to do, uh, and, and we've seen that a couple times from Gilmer in times past. Yeah, where they weren't tested until later into the playoffs, yeah. and then it kind of came back to bite them. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like my brother says. He he says I'd rather lose early in the season or get tested early in the season than to wait later on down the road and 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 lose. In a, at a, a costly game, you know. Yeah, a game you have to win. Yeah. Uh, but get, for Gilmer, it's like you said, we've seen in years past, you know, where they got tested or uh, and later on in the season. I'm not talking like district. We're talking playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we've seen this. And Gilmer's a good team. But just like you said, you'd rather that happen in the beginning of the season than later on down the road. Now, it was a good – it was a good um, – little eye-opener for Gilmer. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, hey, we're most likely going to be headed into, uh, I see Gilmer going to state. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think they have a very good, well, barring Carthage, well, yeah, you well, know, in well, the fourth round. Well, that could be end up being a, uh, well, not some rematch, but, uh, but if, if that you can get. would be a regional final. Yeah. If you can, if you can get past Carthage in that fourth round, then, yeah. But, hey, hey, even when you get to that point, you know, you, now against Lindell, and I'm not saying Lindell's as good as Carthage because you know it, it's Carthage, but it's a good test either way. Mm-hmm. And so you get that early in the season and say, okay, now this is what, like I said, we need to fix this, and we need to look out for this. And they're young at the quarterback position, and you want that kid to get tested now, right? Right. You you don't want him to freak out in a playoff game, 
And, and we see that all the time, where these quarterbacks get pushed into these situations. Yeah. And they panic. They don't know what to do. They can't take a snap. They they forget their progressions. They forget, I mean, just some of the basic things that are that you got to do for a play to be successful. Yeah. And you want to do that now. You don't want to do it in a game that matters. Right. And, and you know, Gilmer's quarterback is young, uh, sophomore. Sophomore quarterback. And, you know, uh, Filling the shoes of his big brother, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it, it it's not to put any pressure on him, but it's to say, you know, you know, he's still young. He, of course, he's going to make mistakes, but it's better for him to learn now than later on down the field. Because mm-hmm. uh, we seen uh, last year with uh, Dangerfield, uh, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, their quarterback uh, was a freshman, got pushed yeah. into the position in, uh, late in the playoffs. Yes, and. It was clear to see, you know, he was all over the place. He freaked out. He was unsteady. And, you know, he ended up losing that game. But, you know, seeing him play this year, he's more poised. He's more patient Mm -hmm. and uh, more disciplined. And so, you know, it it comes with growth, you know, as you learn the game more and you learn the position uh, and the responsibility of that position. So, I mean, for for, uh, Tennyson over in Gilmer, I mean, you know, keep growing. That's what I would say to him, man. Keep growing at the position. I believe he's going to be great uh, for Gilmer in the years to come. I, I think so, too. I mean, Gilmer's just got good talent. Yeah, they, mean, Gilmer just... consistently, like Carthage uh, and, and Dangerfield in these areas, they consistently produce talent, man. Mm-hmm. Consistently. Uh, let's see, in other scores, Pittsburgh Falls to Frisco Independence 24-13. to 13. <laughs> You know, yeah. I... I it's it's hard to say with with Pittsburgh I, what needs to be done because you know we don't cover we haven't covered all them. the time yeah, yeah. Uh, it's only from what I I see from the highlight reels and the highlight reels is what goes good in the game not what goes bad and so it's hard to really say other than what people say the next day concerning the game well, well and two I will say for our listeners we do. Try and study some things right. of, oh, of yeah. games that we're not at before we just give an opinion. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I don't know. It's like I said with uh, Pewitt. You gotta play with the Jimmys and Joes that you got, right? You and there's certain things that you can't coach, and I think that that's where Pittsburgh's at. So it's kind of like, okay, what can we do with the the group that we have? How right. do we stay competitive? How do we at least stay in ball games to where maybe you get that fumble late in the game and you got a chance to win it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's kind of the mode that they're in with some of their game planning. It, and it's not that you're playing defensive all the time, but you just have to understand, okay, we're not, we don't have this cat and that cat and that cat. we got these guys. Right. And it's not a knock against your players. It's just reality. Um, and, and so then you have to put together a game plan that gives those guys the best chance to be the best them that they can be. Right. Uh, and, and I think that that's what we're seeing from Pittsburgh as they kind of progress throughout the season yeah. is shaping a game plan that gives that group of players the best chance to stay in ball games yeah. that they can get. And, and you know, it's it's like it's like you said, it's things that you can and can't coach. But we've seen, uh, we've seen, or I've seen and I've heard, you know, uh, from what people would say from this past Friday's game is that uh, they looked better. I don't know what uh, what happened in the second half. You know, they went in at halftime, they were up. 
Uh, it wasn't up big. It was 10-7, but yeah. they were still up. Um, and then I don't know what happened after that because they, they, they only kicked the field goal in the second half. But um, you go into games like that, and especially against a team like Frisco Independence, who's a 5A school, uh, at played competitions that are obviously you know bigger, better, but you go into a game like that, and you know it's like you said, Riley. It's, you have to prepare with what you got. And I've seen, you know, like I said, I study and watch film on these on on the players of the game, and I noticed some changes in the offense, and I noticed some changes in the defense. And it's like I said before uh, with Coach Abram, you you never really know what's up his sleeve. I mean, he's not the type to go. Uh, and I don't know many head coaches in high, in high school football that do do this, uh, but it's not like he he goes off and say we we have this plan we're going to be doing this and that. Uh, no, it's rather you have to wait and see because you just never know what he has up his sleeve. So Friday night, uh, he he made some changes to the offensive line. Um, he's uh, made some changes to the offense and how it's ran. Um, you know, Pittsburgh runs out of the slot team, but uh, they run out of the gun a little bit too. So it's kind of a mixture. Um, and then he made some changes to his defense as well. Mm-hmm. It's his uh, his uh, secondary, and so uh, and also to his front line. So I mean, you never know what to expect. The only thing I would say for Pittsburgh is to focus on um, building off of where your your strengths rather than and. Uh, fixing your weaknesses. I think the weaknesses isn't so much that it's uh, physical or I think a lot of it is mental. But uh, being able to cover in the back in the backfield is a is a big a big hit and and tackling. I've seen that as well is getting better at tackling, breaking down and and having good tackling forms. And that's the only thing I would have for Pittsburgh moving forward. If you want to win games, you have to fix those things. And this is, and once again, these are all mental mistakes. These aren't mistakes as like, you you know, you didn't know this. You haven't learned this. You haven't been coached or taught this. But these are mental mistakes you you should know uh, and be able to fix instantly uh, throughout the game. But it seems to be a consistency and in, 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 um, this these type of mistakes that's being made by Pittsburgh. Well, and, and and I like what you said there about you know just kind of building off what you're doing. Pittsburgh has to focus on inside the field house. They they can't look at the rest of the district. Yeah. Uh, because you, if you are if you are and you're being honest about it, you know okay Gilmer's on a different level like they they just are right now. Yeah. Um, you're looking at Pleasant Grove who. Uh, beat Frisco Memorial sixty three to twenty eight Friday night. They've played a couple of tough teams from uh, Louisiana. I mean, so so you're looking at them. They they're probably the second best team in the district as it stands. So you know you you've got Liberty Ilo, you've got Spring Hill. Uh, let's see here, Liberty Ilo uh, beat Atlanta fourteen. To thirteen in that ball game, or I'm sorry, sixteen to fourteen in that ball game, and then Spring Hill uh, lost to Brownsboro forty nine twenty eight. So those are some winnable games, right? 
And those are the two that you have to win to make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, now, North Lamar, I will give them props. They only lost 34-33 um, to 33 to Commerce. And, you know, they I think they won one ball game. But, hey, they've actually been kind of competitive. Now, they're not playing the strongest pre-district schedule out there. But even against some of these same cats last year, they were getting blown out. So, I mean, they're staying in ball games. But I still see them as the, the bottom feeder of the district. So you you've got to focus on what can we do to stay in the ball games later on. You know right. that we got to win to make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, you're right there. This because the second half has been as what it looks like has been killing Pittsburgh. I don't know what's happening in the second half uh, opposed to the first half, but you know, first half they're in the game. You know, they're, they're playing hard, but then second half is like uh, I don't know what happens. Defense stop playing, offense stop, but. You know, you like you have to stay in game. You have to be competitive at some point throughout the game. You have to finish the game tough. I mean, mm-hmm. and right now Pittsburgh isn't doing that at all. I mean, they're not. It's not competitive. So tough times in in Pirate Land for sure. Uh, we we mentioned Dangerfield. They fell to center sixty five forty four, but that's a numbers game. You know, four A schools got a bunch of cats. They can just consistently. Run some fresh bodies out there. Dangerfield can't. You know, we've covered a couple of Dangerfield games. Like most of their players are playing both ways. Yeah, it's just the reality of the situation. Now, again, you want to, but if you're Dangerfield, you're looking at the rest of three A Division two. You probably, I mean, th- there's not many teams that you're gonna face between now and the state championship uh, ball game. You know, you, you will a little bit later into that regional bracket. But for the most part, you're not going to see a bunch of teams that can run like you can. You know, as far as with the athletes and just the pure speed. Yeah. Um, so, I think it's good for them. Yes, they lost to Timpson. Yes, they lost to Center. But it goes back to what I said about Gilmer. You would rather... You want to win all your games, right? But you you can survive a loss in pre-district. You don't survive a playoff loss. Like, that's it. It's in your season. And so I think that's where this has been good for them. And, again, they were in that ball game late into the fourth quarter, and then, you know, center just ran away with it with all their fresh bodies. Uh, With with Dangerfield, when you're talking about numbers, uh, you've had a lot of kids move out of the district to, Mm -hmm. you know, bigger towns. Uh, and so that's what hurt Dangerfield a lot. And, you know, when you have people who aren't, you know, kids who aren't staying and they're going to these bigger schools, that hurts your numbers. Now, they're able to do good with what they have. We've seen that. Um, but with these teams that have more, you know, uh, just like Center who have more players and say, well, if our first string gets tired or whatever, we want to try something new, you have a... a whole nother group of 11 more players to put out on the field. Right. You know, and, and Dangerfield don't have that. Like you said, most of their team is playing both ways. Yeah. You know, offense and, you know, they don't leave the field. Uh, and, but and that goes back to, as far as the numbers thing, that goes back to a deeper cultural conversation that's associated with high school sports, especially in East Texas. For years, Dangerfield has been built on bloodlines. 
I mm-hmm. mean, you, you you heard the same names, you know, the Memses, your family, the Herndons, uh, just different ones through the years that have consistently put players on the field. And then you look around now, those, those aren't the same cats. No. Um, and, and you're starting to see that, sadly, by the way, in a lot of these smaller communities, smaller towns, is that because the local economies are not growing and because the bomb-and-pop jobs are dying out slowly, um, these people are forced to move. You know, they have to go somewhere else to get a job. They have to do something else to, to promote their family. Yeah. And so... That you know, you still have talent. You still have those the the, the support, but you don't have the numbers that you used to have. Right. You know, you can't right. send fresh bodies out. And, and so, as the season progresses, I think that is something to look at with Daintree. But like I said, there, you you now you're going to start playing teams that are more your size now. Timpson. Uh, was your size, but Timson's just a whole different <laughs> cat. Like, I mean, yeah. Timson's on a different planet uh, right now than, than just about anybody. Um, but but I think that that's a larger conversation that as, you know, we, we plan to do this show for 20 or 25 years, you know, and I think that the more that we do this show, we're going to have more conversations about schools that we've watched all these years that maybe over the next 5, 10, 15 years aren't even there. Yeah. You know, much less feeling a competitive football team. Right. And, you know, it's it's all about the district as well. So, Dangerfield is most likely going to win this district. I look forward to seeing them win that district. Oh, yeah. Going deep in the playoffs. Possibly even state. And so, Dangerfield, I mean, right now, you don't have any reason to hang your head because you've just played a top two-way school last week. And uh, then you turn around and played a four-way school. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's a D1 four-way school. So, yeah. You have no reason to hang your head. And you stayed in that game for the majority of it. Yeah. And so, there's no reason to hang your head. You Don't still, panic. Yeah, just uh, still don't understand why Coach Nelson scheduled three home games back-to-back like that. But, you know, that's his prerogative. Well, he wants to play at home. Most of the time, home is the friendly confines, unless you're in Dangerfield. <laughs> like then, then you might not make yeah. it out. But I know? tell you, man, I, it's like I told you before. Dangerfield fans are different. They are. Uh, <laughs> if you've never been to a Dangerfield game, go one because you're going to see good football. But two, just sit in the stands and listen to their fans. Like it's a whole <laughs> different experience. Yeah, but um, uh, it's not one of my favorite fan bases, but I do respect them wholeheartedly because you know that's. Most of them in the stands are probably my family. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Dangerfield, man, y'all y'all have a good season uh, ahead of y'all. And just, I mean, keep playing. Still one of the most athletic teams I, I, uh, we've seen thus far and, and know. Uh, oh, yeah. And one of the, you have, you have a good running game. You have a good passing game. Your defensive front is, your defense is good. So, y'all are good just. Don't like Riley said. Don't panic. You know they, they don't have any need to panic. No, not at all. Uh, just I, uh, all they have to do is stay level headed and keep going. And I, I like I said, I look forward to seeing them mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about center. I, uh, center's on an uptick this year. So center's actually you know they beat Tatum. 
Uh, but but Sears even beat some other schools that that they were kind of picked to lose by you know a yeah. touchdown or two. Sears on the ups, uh, upswing. They they're led by Coach Dickey meets his son actually uh, as their head football coach. Right. He left Alto, went to center uh, last season, and he's trying to kind of restart that program down there. Well, he's doing a good job. He he is. He's brought some excitement yeah. uh, to the school and to the community yeah. and. And kind of running some of his daddy's old offense and walking I mean, in daddy's shoes, yeah, so, and doing a good job yeah. at it. Uh, if some of y'all don't know who Coach Dickey Meeks is, uh, uh, Coach Dickey Meeks is a coaching legend in these parts uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, coach that Henderson led them to a few state championships. Uh, Mount Vernon, uh, uh, some years prior, even here recently before he passed. Uh, then he coached a bit in uh, Pittsburgh. You know, every mm-hmm. year he coached to Pittsburgh, he led them to the playoffs. Yes. Um, and so he, he was a great coach. Uh, may he rest in peace. He was a great coach uh, in the in the state of Texas. Um, I, I I would say he he's up there with you know coaches like uh, Eddie Baca. Uh, At one point, he was number three or four on the most wins in East Texas. Yeah. Oh man. See. So yeah, he's up there. Yeah, yeah up there with uh, uh, Gary, Coach Gary Gaines, who just passed away yeah. recently. Uh, and so he's he's on the list of great coaching legends, you know, because uh, he did a lot of great work in East Texas, uh, down in these parts. So, and and he did a good job of going into places like his son's doing now and revamping yeah. them and getting getting yeah. them back to state championship caliber ball. So that'd be interesting. I would like to follow center from afar. You know, you may, we might yeah. not cover the games, but we I would like to follow them from afar just for that storyline. Uh, and then let's see. Uh, Mount Pleasant falls to Frisco Emerson 34-17. to Looks like Mount Pleasant may be going to have a down year. Yeah. And, I mean, like from last year, comparatively speaking. I mean, for us, it's typical Mount Pleasant. But you made the playoffs last year. It looks like maybe you're on shaky ground over there now. Uh, Longview just destroys their <laughs> their rival Lufkin in Lufkin, fifty six to seven. And and I just listened to Coach King talk about that game after his big win over uh, Tyler Legacy the week before. And he said, "Hey, you know this is going to be a great hard nose punchy in the mouth football game. Everybody needs to show up." And then he just goes in there and obliterates them. You know, so, I mean, Longview is just on a different level this season. They're very competitive, uh, very athletic, ha- have a chance, at, even at the 5A level, at that state cha- another state championship run. So, I mean, be looking at that. If you're a Longview fan, be excited. Y'all have a great football yeah, team man. down there. Well, you know, when he said hard nose and uh... – uh, what was the hard nose and um, punchy in the mouth? Punching, yeah, yeah. I think he meant that for Longview. I think that's well, what he they were... thought that it would be reciprocated. <laughs> he wasn't thinking, I don't know what happened with, with Lufkin, but Longview sh- surely showed up. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Longview has a great team this this season, and they've been consistently getting better uh, over the last five years. Um, and you look at, you know, like I said, they have that five star receiver on their team. That kid yeah. is something different, he is. Um, and so you look at players like that, but not just him. You have, you know, your quarterback position is back, um, and then you have your running game is, uh, is is moving. And then so, not to mention the defense. So with Longview, man, they they've all. I, you don't hear a lot about them. It's sort of like they've been a shadow school because you know in East Texas you have, 
especially like in and these bigger schools, you have Carthage. Like you have Carthage, uh, and then Dallas you have Duncanville and all these all the other schools up there. And then, Longview is one of those that you always you know you hear it. And you're okay, that's a powerhouse, but they don't always get all the coverage. Yeah. Um, and then you know they made that state championship run a few years ago, and they started getting more of the the coverage outside of just a radio station game here or there. Yeah. And it became more of a widespread thing. The the following season after the state championship, they played the game against John Tyler. At, well, that's Tyler High at the time. It was John Tyler on ESPN, and they started getting more of that widespread coverage yeah. that I thought they've always deserved. You know, just because they are that. That kind of mystique thing where you don't go into Lobo Stadium and play the Lobos. Like, you just don't <laughs> want to do that. And apparently, you don't want to play them at Abe Martin Stadium and Lufkin either. Uh, you know? Like, but but I, I'm, uh, I think that they're set up uh, to have another great season over there in Longview. Talking about Carthage, they uh, defeat Marshall 42 to nothing. Again, another game where it was kind of expected maybe Carthage finally gets a little bit of a test. You know, Marshall running the wing tee now under Coach Jack Alvarez in his first uh, season at the helm. He's going to get them there. I, I expect them to be competitive in their district, make some noise in the playoffs. But you've got another 5A school to play Carthage, and Carthage goes, okay, well, come on down, fellas. Yeah, that's a rival, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I mean, he just beats them. I, <laughs> I, I, again, there are some he's, seasons he's where teams are just, yeah, he was nice about it. But there's some seasons where teams are just on a different level than everybody else. Yeah. And right now it appears that Carthage is having one of those years, which tends to happen in Carthage. But, I mean, this year more especially, you start beating all these 5A schools, and it's like just bow down and kiss the ring. Uh, Last year they got a taste of it. Now they want more. Now yeah, now they want more of it. <laughs> I mean, it's, and how great, we've talked about this off the air, and I've talked about this with a few other people. How great would it be... To see Longview and Carthage, man. I mean, you want to talk <laughs> about a sold-out stadium? Yes, uh, and that game. If if it ever happens, listen, John King and uh, Coach Scott Surratt. If you are listening to our show, if you ever listen to our show and you hear this, please consider it. It is that is a game. Schedule that game. Yes, because that's a game I want to see. Because I, y'all are right there, uh, next door neighbors, just about. Yeah. Um, great teams. Great coaches, great, great coaches, athletes. and man, make that game happen. I, I, that would be that's another sold out game, I believe. Oh yeah, uh, that, packed, that's a great game for for East Texas. Yeah, packed to the brim because I don't. Uh, both teams, uh, especially Carthage, is I've seen we've seen uh, face uh, face to face respective teams. Uh, they don't play dirty, and, and so I want I would like to see that 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 coaching uh, matchup and the players match up and see how they do yeah, the chess together. match and I, I just think and again it'd be great for East Texas you would get everybody you'd get Gilmer fans uh, you you would get Lufkin fans would probably come up to see if somebody could finally test the level <laughs> like, you would just get people from all over Yeah, and that's I mean that's what makes East Texas football so special is that here within a hour two hour radius we have Teams that could sell out stadiums for years. Oh, yeah. You know, that are just that competitive. They're just that good. And if you can get some of those matchups going, you know, and, and again, you've already got Carthage who's like, okay, come on down. Who wants to play? <laughs> uh, you know, and he's starting to run out of teams that, that are willing. Like, it's yeah. almost like UAL's having to twist some teams' arms to play those games. 
So I, I, I just think that would be great. I want to give out a shout-out to my former boss, Coach Tim Russell, at Grace Community. He defeats uh, Lona 56-21 to in another blowout <laughs> win for him. He takes over a Grace Community team that went over last season, and he's got them on a roll. And, and, and I, you know, great guy, a great football coach, and, and I'm just glad to see him doing well. Uh, at his new home in Grace Community yeah, man. Uh, School there in Tyler. They're going to hail him king there at that school. Oh, yeah. There's he parade. has a plaque waiting for him Oh, as of if he speaks. Hey, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, he's getting a plaque for sure. If he, like, makes a deep run in the playoffs, they'll probably make him a statue. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. They'll rename the stadium. It'll be Tim yeah. Russell Stadium. But that shows you, man, just how – and I don't know him personally. You know, like you said, that's your former boss. You coached with him for some years. And so uh, – and, and – from the way you talk about him, and even and from seeing this now, where he's coaching, now I know what he did in Harmony, mm-hmm. uh, but for, to see this school who went off, you know, off or whatever, to now they're blowing teams out, like yeah. that's man, not a lot of coaches can do that on their first year coming in to a new school, uh, and a, a new group of players and new mentalities. Not a lot of coaches can do that and just turn it around, turn the program around. Now you're blowing teams out to where you probably were getting blown out. Now you're the one that's, you know, blowing teams out. So I'll tell you this story about Tim. So Tim was at Harmony from, uh, I think he got there in 1999, 1999-2000 until 2005. 2004-2005. He left, he went to Pine Tree. He left Pine Tree. He was an assistant uh, at Gilmer, the year that they won state, he was the head secondary coach there when they won state in 2009 over the corners and safeties. So they're in two-a-days in two, the 2010 season, right? They're in two-a-days, and the Harmony football coach, one of them that had come in after him, uh, was arrested for uh, his like second or third DWI, so they have to let him go and, and all that mess. So somebody says, hey, let's call Coach Russell. Let's see if he'll... This is the middle of two days, right? Let's call him. He gets, he gets the phone call, yeah, I'll come. He told me, he said, Riley, he said, Coach, when I got here, he said, here's how we decided who the running back was, whoever could hold the football. He said, we decided who the quarterback was by who could take the snap. He said, he said it was just awful. So they got like one and nine, right? So... What, what he did in Harmony, I don't know if he's doing it at Grace Community, but we would have mottos for the season. So whatever that was, that was our goal. You know, that's how our mentality for the year. So I said, well, what would you do after the 1-9 season? What was your motto coming into the, the 2011 season? He said, bring it. <laughs> like, you go 1-9, and, and then you're telling teams to bring it. And subsequently, that was the year that he played Tatum and was picked to lose by 50 and won by 30. <laughs> like, so, so I mean, he's just that kind of a guy. He's got that mentality that, hey, we can turn this thing around. We can be the best us that we can be. We're going to beat people and win football games. And I think that that was a perfect storm. He, you know, he's sitting there at home. He's retired, doesn't know really kind of what he, his next steps were going to be. Great Speedy calls him up out of the blue and says, hey, would you consider taking over our program? You know, and trying to get this thing turned around. I'm proud of him, proud for him. And, uh, hey, go GC gang. You know, like, like, go Grace Community. Uh, And so just wanted to give him a shout-out for that. So let's look at the the week coming up in high school football. You have Pittsburgh going to Anna. The Anna Coyotes coming in. 
undefeated so far on the season. We'll, again, we'll just kind of have to wait and see what Pittsburgh does. If they continue to build, can they stay competitive in the ball game? The good news is, after this, you got a week off. Yeah. Uh, you know, can't lose to the bye week. So, <laughs> so uh, well, I guess you can if you have kids quit or, you know, lay down in practice or something. But can't lose to the bye week. So, again, just as we said earlier, just build off. If you're Pittsburgh, just build off what you can do. Uh, Gilmer gets two weeks off, and I wanted to talk about that. That's not good. If you if you go players and ask are down coach, too long. Yeah, if you go and ask Coach Metzel, he's not happy. You know, I don't know what the deal was as far as scheduling was concerned back in the spring when everybody was scheduling ball games as to why he couldn't get a ball game this week or or whatever the case may be. But if you ask him, he's not happy about kids not having a competitive game for two whole weeks. Uh, you can practice and practice and practice. And I don't care what cliche. Listen, any coach, any head coach that has a bye week and says, man, we got a whole lot better. We had great. They're lying through their teeth. Let me tell you how bye weeks go. Bye weeks are. Let's get out of the build, out of the building by five thirty. Like we ain't gotta get we you know we we're this is a grind. We finally get one little reprieve here, and then it's full steam ahead for however many weeks now you're gonna play from this point on. So let's get out of the building quick. Let's go through some stuff, refine what we can refine. You know, if in, in Gilmer's case, you're you're looking now towards your district play. So let's break down some things about some district opponents that we're going to see for the next four or five weeks. All that. But the kids know there's no game waiting for them on Friday. There's no intensity. I'm sorry. Anybody that says, oh, we really got after it this week, you're a liar. <laughs> it, it just, it, these are high school kids. They know we ain't got to beat anybody Friday. You know? Yeah. So we're just going to kind of Take it easy. Now, it is good in the sense you get some rest, but not two weeks. You you know, no coach is going to be happy about that. But, hey, it's, it, it is what it is at this point. If you're Gilmer, do what you can. Make the most out of your two weeks. Get ready for Pleasant Grove uh, and, and get after it uh, and go from there. Let's see. Pleasant Grove this week uh, is playing in Paris. Paris has lost to some 4A schools, so... I think that's a winnable game if you're Pleasant Grove. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Yeah, I, it'll be a good. That'll be a good game because both uh, teams run out of a uh, wing T offense. Right? Yeah. Well, um, Paris runs out of the slot T. Oh, they moved to the slot. Okay. Yeah, they run out of the slot T. And so, I mean, it should be interesting. With you know, I don't know how well Paris runs out of the slot T. This is only, I believe, you said their second year, right? Yeah, and it. And uh, and this is Pleasant Gilmer Grove. Gilmore blew them out, but Gilmore again's on a different plan. Yeah. So, but it should be a good game. Um, it may Pleasant Grove still may come out on top. But. And I think again, it's it's more about gauging kind of where Pleasant Grove's going to fall in in their season. Yeah. You know? uh, let's see. You've got Liberty Island at Sulphur Springs again. I think that's another good measuring stick to kind of figure out Liberty Island right now is kind of one of those. Wild card teams, we're not real sure how good they are, how great they are, whatever. You know they're not a great team, but they might be one of those good teams that you don't yeah. like to play. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll kind of get a better gauge on them uh, playing Sulphur Springs. I really think 
the best thing for Sulphur Springs is going to be get the district. Because, you, you know, now you're down a division. I think that's going to help them. Uh, it's just going to take some time for Sulphur Springs to get back to being Sulphur Springs. Right. But I do think that the move down to 4A Division One uh, helped them. You've got North Lamar at Wills Point. They beat Wills Point last year, so maybe there's a win there for, for your North Lamar, if you're a North Lamar fan. Yeah. Uh, Dangerfield gets a buy. Now, I think that's a great buy. Like, Dangerfield needs that. <laughs> you, you, you really do. Uh, you've had some players kind of get nicked up. You know, you're yeah. coming off of two just at-home losses where they came in and kind of did what they wanted. Um, center not too late in the ball game, but I mean, still. Yeah. Uh, it happened. Take a breath. Regroup and say, listen. After this week, we can't lose. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, so, you can't lose those ball games. And, and the other thing... And this is what people don't talk about a lot. You've got to convince those players not to listen to outside sources. Yeah. They're going to go home. They're going to hear from mom and daddy. Well, if coach would do da-da-da-da-da. Or if so-and-so would have blocked. Or if so-and-so were, you know. Then they're going to come up with these plethora of reasons why you lost the ball game. No, you lost the ball game because you didn't execute. You lost the ball game because you weren't, you know, whatever the case. But you, you lost the ball game for football reasons. Right? You know, like, whether it be X's and O's or Jimmy and Joe's, you lost the game for football reasons. So the best thing you can do in this bye week is get everybody back in the building and say, listen, the the focus of this season's got to stay in this building, right? You, you know, we don't need to hear what grandma and grandpa think or what mom and daddy think. You just listen to your coaches. You get back in tune with your your teammates and your leadership, and let's go get them. Yeah. Uh, so I really think that this was good for them. You know, just from a regrouping perspective, right? All right, you always want those type of breaks, especially if I mean you don't waste those type of breaks either, uh, because, well, and for and for one, it's it's, it's danger field, you know. Yeah. Uh, but mentally, you need that break because you, these are two home games that you lost, you know. And, and as we said before, Dangerfield fans aren't easy, you know. They're no. they're, they're they're tough fans and. So you need that mental uh, mental break to kind of just breathe, relax, regroup. And I look forward, to, you know, this morning. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure uh, whatever they had to get done, they got done. But you know, you 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 take that break and then you you know listen to your coaches, do what they tell you to do. You know, Friday nights are played off of what you learn throughout the week, mm-hmm. um, and, and you just doing and following what your coach. Uh, tells you to do and following his leadership, trusting in what he tells you to do. Uh, outside sources are going to come, even from us. You know, we have our own opinions and you know about what we think. But what matters at the end of the day is that you listen to your coach. Your coach know what knows what he's talking about, um, and just go out there and play. Uh, who do they have next in district starting uh, off? Starting off in district, they've got hooks this week. Okay. Um, Oh, oh no! You're talking about Dangerfield. Yeah, I'm Dangerfield. sorry. I, I was. I'm sorry. I was looking yeah, at the Pupiet schedule. <laughs> um, let me see here. So, if you've got Dangerfield, they've got. They're going to win that district. That's a cakewalk district for them. Uh, they start 
with New Diana. Oh, oh right down the road. Uh, so, um, so yeah, you just, man, take this week and just kind of just inhale, exhale. And, and, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Hugh Springs. Hugh Springs. Oh, so that's an, either I, I way, that's it. another down the road game. Down the road game. And that's, you know, a very winnable game. You're probably going to donkey something. So that, I, I just think that this was a good time to get that bye weekend, yeah. you know, and, and kind of regroup. So back to Paul Pewitt, uh, where my <laughs> mind was, they start district against Hooks. You know, you, you're coming in 0 3, but hey, now's the time. You got to get this thing turned around, you got to get after it. <laughs> Uh, Hooks is a, a beatable team. You know that's a team that you can run the football on. You know now Hooks is going to come out and they're going to throw it. They're going to sling it. They're going to yeah. test that secondary. But if you're Paul Pitt, you got to start start regrouping yeah. and winning ball games. And Paul Pitt, they're very capable of doing that. Of, yes. of winning. Uh, we seen that Friday and putting points on the board. Um, but their biggest foe is going to be their secondary. If they can't get it together, yeah, I mean that—that's the down. And, and and like I said, you can't coach height, you can't coach speed. It just, yeah, you know, you got to play with who you got. But uh, a, a winnable game over in Hooks this week if you're Paul Pewitt. Mount Pleasant gets the bye. I think that's good for them. Again, just trying. You know, you kind of came into this season with some expectations. You know that we can make the playoffs again. Maybe make win a game or two in the playoffs. So. So you got to regroup if you're them. Longview uh, faces Lancaster and what will probably be the only possible test for them before they get to the playoffs. Uh, so that'll be an interesting score to look at. Uh, Carthage plays Bullard. Poor Bullard. Like I, you know, I know, <laughs> just poor Bullard. And then uh, my buddy uh, Tim at Grace Community plays Spring Hill. Uh, in Grace Community, there's a possibility that we'll be at that game. So, you know, be looking maybe yeah. for some highlights from that. If we do go, I want to see Spring Hill, uh, you know, because Spring Hill lost. I, I don't know. You know, that's another wild card team to me. I don't know that they're as bad as they've looked. I don't know that they're good, but I don't know that they're that bad. Mm. Now, Tim may go out there and be in by 50, and then I go, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. It, it's hard to tell. You know, you, you, they run a new offense, that uh, the pistol flex. You've got a new coaching regime over there. So everything's – so it's just kind of hard to tell, okay, is this them trying to gel with the new staff or is this, you know, they're just not very good. What What's what's going on there? But so, – so the thing about Pittsburgh and Liberty Island and Spring Hill that's interesting, the upside for all of them is that they play each other. Yeah. Like, because you look at those and you go, well, we might could beat them. Yeah. You know, and so that that's where, that's how you kind of keep those kids incentivized is, you know, yeah, we may lose badly to Gilmer. We may lose badly to Pleasant Grove, but we can still make the playoffs. Like, because yeah, you, you, <laughs> that's how it was last year. And well, it, it started with North Lamar. North Lamar. But that's how it was last year. North Lamar, and then you had, uh, 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 Liberty Allo, then no Spring Hill, then Liberty Allo. Yeah, and that's how Pittsburgh kind of kept everybody engaged. Yeah. But now it's kind of almost the flip because of the way that Pittsburgh's playing right now. If you're Liberty Allo, you're looking and go, okay, we get to play those guys. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, or or if you're Spring Hill, maybe you're looking and going, okay, we get to play them. Like that, you know, that's a game that we can win. 
So it's kind of an interesting dynamic in that the 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 saving grace for all these teams is they play each other. Yeah. Uh, and you get beat up on each other and, and kind of see who who uh, comes out when the dust settles. Moving on to college, uh, this past weekend, Georgia dominated South Carolina 48-7. to Alabama uh, dominated uh, Louisiana Monroe 63-7. Ohio State beat Toledo 77-21. to Michigan beat UConn 59 to nothing. There's your top four teams in the country uh, right there. Oklahoma beat Nebraska 49-14, and Nebraska immediately fired their defensive coordinator a week after letting go their head coach, Scott Frost. So be looking for a complete overhaul. That's, that's just over. That's overdoing it. If you're going to – you what, okay, so they get they lose next week. What, you going to fire your offensive coordinator? I mean, because, I mean, for Nebraska, man, listen – so they're, the the interim head coach over there at Nebraska said, "I want to change it up." Well, you're you know you're probably not going to be the head coach at the end of the year, but do what you want. He elevated his special teams coordinator to defensive coordinator. When did he now, say he wanted to change things up? Yesterday, he, after he got beat so badly on. What do you want to change up? It, listen, man, you in the season now. What are you changing up? He said he wanted a different voice on the defensive side of football. I so th- this is the lunacy of, and I understand it. Like, okay, why did you fire Scott Frost when you fired Scott Frost? If you would have kept him three more weeks, you wouldn't have had to pay the buyout. Yeah. But then you just decide we got to let this guy go. Now he needed to go. I understand it. It's a PR move because what if he would have won? Then are you gonna? Then are you fired? Yeah. So I understand they were afraid he was going to win ball games, but here's the problem with especially college football in season firings is that they get these interims who start thinking, okay, now now that I've been promoted, I might be the the new head coach. So now I got to put my brand on the program. Well, listen, you can't just overhaul every X's and O's here right. in the next. Four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. Like it just—it's not gonna work. Maybe you're gonna move on from those guys, anyways. But at that point, just let the whole staff go. Shut down the season. Be done with like, yeah, you know, like, like, what are you doing? I—I I, I didn't quite understand why you would let go of coordinators at this point. But I don't know. He—that's why he's there. I'm head coach, and I'm not. I guess. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense on Nebraska's uh, side of, side of the field, but uh, Oklahoma. A very good team. Uh, Coach Venables has them going. He's got them playing defense. Yeah, uh, they have a really good running game. I'm impressed with Oklahoma's Oklahoma's running game. Um, it's like I told you, they have some really strong, impressive running backs. Man, they have a group of running backs. Man, they can really uh, just get after it. Uh, hard runners, and that's kind of been the legacy of Oklahoma. Is they've uh, they've always produced. Uh, Hard running running backs. Adrian mm-hmm. Peterson uh, is one of them, and you know as we we know he had a great uh, career there and in the NFL. So, um, I mean, Oklahoma. I look forward to them be one of the along with Texas uh, and Oklahoma State. Uh, I look and Baylor. You know those are the well, top. Well, Baylor's four. down though. Baylor Baylor's down. They lost to BYU. They did win this past weekend. They're not the same Baylor as last. To well, me, the Big Twelve comes down to Texas and Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's doing good. Yeah, they're in the running. I I just think that the the I, to me those are probably your top two. Oh well, yeah, well, and those are the rivalries too. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and so they're going to the SEC together in the next few years. Uh, so they, that rivalry shall <laughs> continue. <laughs> as well as the rivalry with, with Texas, Alabama uh, and LSU. And, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. LSU, we'll have to see how that circus is going to go. Um, as they they did beat Mississippi State thirty one to sixteen, but I, I don't know that uh, that if you gave them a truth serum and an, a, a a mulligan or a do over, I don't know that they bring Brian Kelly to LSU. I watched him a little bit in that game with Mississippi State. He just doesn't look comfortable. Like, you no. look at him, he doesn't look like a guy that's real happy. No. <laughs> you know, and I understand he, he lost a game and he won a game, and so it's kind of this back and forth, but he just doesn't look like he fits there. Well, you know, so we talked about this last week. You know, my brother put it, my brother put it in a, uh interesting uh, concept, and you've said it before, is he wants a chance at the national title. Mm-hmm. And so, with Notre Dame, with them being a private school, there's slim to none chances that he that was ever going to happen. He was going to make the playoffs as he would every other year. Yeah, but he he just he wasn't going to be able to recruit at a level that he could beat an Alabama or a Georgia or an Ohio State. It just right. wasn't going to happen. And you know, he's had good seasons when he was at Notre Dame. Uh, Great, good players, too. Winning as coach in Notre Dame history. I mean. Yeah, and but he wanted a piece of the pie at the national championship title. And the only way that could happen is for him is to go to LSU. Um, LSU, like you said, it does. they don't look. It's, 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 it don't look pretty over there right now. Uh, they may win games, but yeah. it just doesn't. It's not the LSU product that you're used to seeing on right. the football field. And uh, it, it kind of looks it's, – it's sloppy right now. And I understand. You had to move on from Coach Otron. That turned into a circus. He knew his time was up. I mean, you know, so I understand that parting. But I, I just I, – I, again, you had to run – Chip Kelly's a big – I mean, uh, Brian Kelly's a big name. You know, he's out there. You've kind of flirted with him in the past, off and on. Some other schools have flirted with him to try and maybe lure him out of Notre Dame over in South Bend. So you, you've had these chances, and then here he was. He wanted to come. They wanted him. They've got the money. He wants the money. Let's do it. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know that you would do it over again that, that way. No. Uh, I'm interested to see how long he lasts in that issue. Uh just because, you know, if, if he can continue to c- recruit uh, good players. But he didn't. He lost, what, three or four recruits? Well, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> with, given that change, you can expect that. That was a swift change uh, for Notre Dame and uh, LSU. So, given that, you have to bounce back. He didn't He didn't really have time to go out and recruit. <clears throat> I, I would give him another year. Yeah. And I, I just want to see if, uh, how he recruits there as to, uh, you know, as to how he recruited at uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. So. So th- th- that's something, uh, another storyline to keep an eye on. Texas beats uh, UTSA where Coach Jeff Trailer, fr- formerly head coach of the Gilmore Buckeyes here, uh, is currently at. They win that ball game 41-20, but they start off real slow. I mean, that looked like a game that Jeff Bant 
may have had a chance to win. Uh, and then, of course, Texas kind of put it on them in the, the second half and ran away with it late. But, hey, you got to hand it to those Texas players. They were coming off of a very intense game with Alabama, the number one team in the country at the time. And so it just kind of one of those where it is what it is. But, but yeah. hey, you got to win. Move on to the next week. Right. But I, I, I personally see them winning, possibly winning the Big 12 if they can beat Oklahoma. Yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, they were saying in the uh, pregame um, shows, you know, the players were saying, we still lost. You know, and there's no such thing as more wins with them. You know, we look at it, Alabama, that was a great game. It's close. But to the players, they still lost. Yeah. You know. And that's the way you want it. You want that competitive edge where everybody else is patting you on the back and applauding you for not losing by 20. Yeah. And you're like, well, we still lost the game. You know, whether it be by one point or 20 points, we still lost. Right. And I think that that is a sign that Coach Sarkeesian has the program because I had questions about him coming into the season. Yeah. But I think that that's a sign that you, you've got the program going in the right direction. Now, here's here's the question that he's going to have to think about. Quinn Ears is playing very well. Quinn Ears is playing very good football. Are you really... And will Arch Manning, okay, Arch one, are you really going to bench him for Arch? And if you don't, is Arch willing to ride the pine for him a year if he comes to UT? Like, this may be a situation where you win too much to get Arch Manning. <laughs> like, your quarterback's too good. And the and here's why. Here's, here's why I point this out. Even if yours has a great season, he's not going to the draft this year. No. Probably be next. Alabama heavily, heavily recruited. Georgia heavily recruited Arch Manning. Both of their quarterbacks are leaving at the end of the year. <laughs> if Arch has a good high school season and really believes, hey, I want to start or have a chance to start my freshman year, because if if yours has a good year, you can't tell him, oh, it's a quarterback battle. And, I mean, that's not fair to him. Yeah. I just almost wonder, do you do you win your way out of Arch the Manning. Arch Manning sweepstakes? I, that's a good question because the way Quinn Evers played, you know, in the first you know, minutes that he played against Alabama, I like, this kid, you know, this kid got it. And we knew, you know, but we haven't seen him play in like two years. Two years, yeah. Uh, but... Once again, just like Arch Manning, he was the number one recruit in the nation. And so you can't take that away from him. We all, he was a great quarterback in high school. And so we got to see that again, you know, uh, in the first two games. And so that is a good question. What do you do if Quinn Ewers is just that guy for this year and then next year? You know, do Arch Manning, you know, you redshirt him or does he ride the bench and say, hey, I'm willing to. Uh, to, to be back up or I want to I want to start because it's like you said uh, a while ago the commitment isn't on paper it's not none of these are no and and by the way let me go on my little rant about the NIL thing where's the money <laughs> like where are all these kids that got promised these 10 15 20 million dollar deals like where's that 
Hey, I, I haven't heard a peep about what was the kid's name? Uh, Travis Hunter? Hunter. Like, I'm not. I watch football every weekend. He's not in any commercials. Hey, he ain't joining Dion and Saban on the little Affleck commercials they do together. Like, where's the money that you're promising these kids and getting them to decommit from teams that can help them win ball games? Okay, my rant's over. I just that that. Well, Travis Hunter is for sure at Jackson State. He's doing a good job. Uh, the team's doing a good job. But that's not helping him. He's not on ESPN. Well, okay, but okay, so. Okay, so you look at that, you look at that, and Jackson stays, uh, I, I kind of want to talk about the team here too, uh, as opposed to just him, because and this is the deal, because yes, he's the number one recruit, he was the number one recruit in the nation last year, but you got to look at it this too, uh, Deion Sanders and Jackson State football team, they're doing great right now. And so it's kind of like yes, you have trap, you have the number one player in the in the nation, but you have a great team. So it's kind of like that with Travis Hunter is kind of getting overshadowed by that team. Oh, absolutely. And so but that's why I, I think it's a, a a slap in the face to Travis Hunter because now you're under the shadow of Jackson State. Well, okay, so that would have been the same thing if he had went to Alabama or Georgia. Oh, a- absolutely, but he still gets on national TV. He said, if he plays for Alabama or he plays for Georgia or he plays for Florida State, he's on national TV. He's not getting a national TV game at Jackson State. Yeah. I think for him, and, and I never really thought about this until now. For him, it's it wasn't about national it wasn't about national TV. Uh he enjoyed all that when he was in high school. Yeah, he got a bunch yeah, of Yeah, he, he got more than he could handle in high school. So with college, I think it was you looking at Deion Sanders, uh, Hall of Fame uh, football, uh, ex-football player, uh, one of the arguably one of the greatest cor- greatest corners in the history of football, um, Super Bowl champion as your head coach, and not only that to add put the cherry on top, he's a Florida native. native. Yeah, and so well, Travis Hunter isn't from Florida. Where is he from? Georgia. Georgia. Well, okay, but well, close enough. And so you have this, and you're looking, okay, uh, Dion is true um, to his game. Uh, he may talk a lot. He may say a lot, but he's true to his game. And on top of that, he's building a program that's getting that's been, that when he came in was good, he makes it better. Um, and not on top of that, but people don't fail to realize, is because you talk about Travis Hunter as being, one of the recruits that went to Jackson State, the top recruit that went to Jackson State. But you don't talk about the other top players who decommitted and went to Jackson State. Jack, uh, Hunter wasn't the only one. Hunter was just famous because yeah, Alabama, he, yeah. Florida State, all those teams. Yeah, and, and, and so he wasn't the only one. Now, the, with the coverage, I don't think, like I said, he got more than he could handle uh, in high school on, on YouTube, YouTube, uh, YouTube, um, Twitter, all he these has some ESPN, ESPN yes, yeah, so all these. He's been there, done that. He wants to focus at the next level now. So it's not. So that's where that. Looking at it now, he kind of xed all that out, all that national coverage. He xed all that out in high school. Now he wants to focus at the next level, and I think he doesn't really want that. Um, 
he doesn't want that spotlight. Like I said, the spotlight's on Jackson State as a team. And if it has to be on Travis Hunter, then that means the team isn't doing something. But now to see that the team is doing something, Travis Hunter, I believe, is content with it just being the team and just the team. Uh, okay, but let me ask you this. If you're an NFL scout and you're watching Travis Hunter, how good is he? He's good. Uh, he's good, okay, but how good? See, here's the problem in the NFL right now. And we talked about this, I don't know, last week. Right now, there's not a whole lot of great talent in the NFL. Yeah. And the reason is, is because every GM here lately has thought, we'll take a flyer on this guy and this guy and this guy, and we're going to try and project what they're going to be. So then yeah. you bring them into the NFL, and they're not that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see Travis Hunter. And this is the thing. Watching those Jackson State games, um, you don't see... You, he's on the field, of course, but you don't see a lot of anything going his side, his side of the field, because they know the type of player he is. So he doesn't have to. His his game speaks for itself. Uh, and when you're good, you have a good corner on the field. You don't see the ball getting thrown that way a lot. Uh, let's just say, like say Dallas Cowboys, Trayvon Diggs, or uh, the Rams with uh, Jalen Ramsey. You don't. They are respectively good in their own way. You don't see the ball going their way a lot during the game, but you know that their presence is there. It's the same with Travis Hunter. He is good. He doesn't have to do anything spectacular in order to prove it other than just play his position, and it's right now he's playing his position. These teams aren't throwing his way a lot and they because they know the type of player that Travis Hunter is. He's either going to pick you off, and if, if he's on the offensive side of the ball, he's going to moss you. I mean, he his, his game covers for itself. And so when you get to the NFL, I don't see him coming out of uh, coming out of college early to enter the draft. I believe he knows that as well. I, I need more experience in order to be able to handle with these guys. Now I do look at now Deion Sanders in, in the past had talked about you know beefing his team up to be able to play teams like Alabama, Texas, and all these you know bigger conferences. Uh, I don't see until then until he's able to do that. And able to win some games there, and Travis Hunter gets to cover some some more competition. Now, not to say now these these guys at the in the conference day and they're not talented. The HBCU, the HBCU that they don't have talented guys. We know they have talented guys, but we're talking on a national level where these top recruit players, if he can uh, cover them, I believe he can because he's a top recruit as well. But see that, and that's the thing. His game speaks for itself regardless of where he's at. Because you, even though he's at Jackson State, he's still the number one recruit in the nation. True. So, and, and he's good enough to make an offense one-dimensional to one side of the Yeah. Field. He's just that type of player. I, I just would like to see I do him. wonder where the money is, though. Yeah, I, 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 it goes back yeah, to my original rant, which was where's the money. But I, I, I would like to see him play... Against, against those, yeah, yeah, I would too. Top guys. I would too. And, and if you're an NFL scout, you you might draft him, but in the back of your mind, you're going, okay, are we sure that he can cover these guys? Like yeah. he's talented, but can he do it all the time, every play, every down? Yeah. Uh, and then kind of on a final note with uh, some some of the past week in college, Texas A&M beats Miami. I think that the Jimbo Fisher era. May come to an abrupt end. I, I, you know, if you're, 
Texas A&M. I mean, yeah, you're winning these ball games, but it's not like you're dominating. You just lost to App State. You lost to App State. Okay, you're Texas A&M. You play in the SEC. You're the team. Jimbo's the guy who finally beat Nick Saban, the first uh, uh, assistant to beat Nick Saban. Finally did it. And then now you can't beat App State. You're barely beating Miami. You're barely winning ball games that you ought to be up two scores in. What are you doing? I mean, and I'm a Texas A&M guy. I'm a Jimbo guy. But you had all of this talk in the offseason and all this back and forth with Nick about digging into his past. And now all of a sudden, you know, Jimbo's like, well, that was just two competitive guys talking and we're cool now. Yeah, you know why you're saying that, Jimbo? You know why you're saying it? Because you can't beat App State. You barely beat Miami, and you know that you have to go into Tuscaloosa and go play Nick Saban. That's why you're kissing the ring of the king. Yeah. I just, what are we doing? I mean, what 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 is Jimbo doing? He's a good football coach, but what are you doing, man? I mean, did you spend all offseason so caught up in this back and forth with Nick that you can't even... <laughs> Beat App State and you can't blow out Miami. I I, I just and I understand, but this ain't the old Miami. Like this is yeah, the Miami, yeah. the, the the U. You know, like this is not no, no. We're talking about the Miami of today, and you can't beat them. I mean, come on. Well, the Miami of today is starting to get back to the U. They're trying, but yeah. still, you should make it beat back. Them. Yeah, but Texas A and M, like you said, it's it's bringing the question to that era. I mean, Jimbo Fisher, I. <laughs> We've had a very long, comical conversation about, you know, the back and forth thing with him and Nick Saban, and including Dion and uh, uh, Lane Kiffin. This whole <laughs> Where Lane summer, Kiffin just trolls them all. Yeah, he, he trolls them and he instigates the whole deal. And then so, walks away. <laughs> yeah, don't hear anything else from him. But with Jimbo Fisher is, you have to figure out what's best for your team. Because I don't, as of right now, I don't see any improvement that you made in recruiting. Uh, well, they, players. They, keep, they keep talking about it. He's got the number one recruiting class. Well, where are these guys? That's what I'm saying. Who are they? Because, if I mean, App State, in their own respects, is, I mean. Hey, App State beat Troy, by the way. Like, they continue yeah. this crazy run. So, Shout out to Luke Combs. Yeah. <laughs> and, got, and, and the other interesting part about that, losing App State, A&M paid them $1.5 million to come to. to uh, Kyle Stadium. Yeah, to Kyle Stadium, Aggieland. And, and then they turn around and beat A&M. You pay them $1.5 million to embarrass you at home. <laughs> and then go back with their yeah. money and the win. Like, yeah. what is- and to keep on winning. But, and the thing is with App State, you know, they're one of those teams like, okay, you still have to play us. Now, yeah, we'll take your money, but you still got to play us. Yeah. Um, but Texas A&M, and another interesting thing, I don't know if you said this, but um, they didn't start Haynes King. Yeah, Haynes I know King. I didn't cover that. Yeah, yeah Haynes, Haynes King, King was But it, it it goes back to what I say said, and I could be wrong, but I do not believe or think that Haynes King is the answer for Texas A&M. He hasn't shown me anything uh, spectacular. Or Well, he's with, coming off of a scene where he didn't play football. Yeah. And injured. I, I, I want to see, you know, okay, can he be the player that everybody projected him to be at when he was at Longview under his dad, Coach John King? Don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, he's a local guy, so I hope he does well. 
But I don't know that he's your answer at quarterback if you're going to win consistently, you yeah. know, in, in the SEC. Well, I wasn't ex- – and, and with that, other than that, I wasn't expecting the game against Miami to be as close as it was. Nobody is, but I think at this point, if you're an Aggie fan, you're like, okay, well, let's, you know, clinch it together for this one. Clinch yeah, your teeth, you yeah. know, and see what happens. Because uh, no no game at this point is a gimme game. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, upcoming schedule. Talking about A&M, they got to play Arkansas this week. Have that fun. That should be great. That should Pig be great. Pig suey. Yeah. Yeah, have fun with that one. They're coming into Kyle Field. Do you lose? Okay, if, if, if he loses, <laughs> which he probably will, but if you lose badly, <laughs> this is an honest question. You got an answer to that, man. Because but, but here's an honest question. If he loses badly to Arkansas, is that it? I won't say that's it. That's they may be the beginning of it, but um, Arkansas, Arkansas is good. Yeah, and Arkansas is slowly becoming one of my favorite teams in the SEC. Um, Turn up that jukebox! <laughs> I'm telling you, man. But Arkansas is a good team, and you have a, a team like Texas A&M in the in the position that they're in right now. Do you look at that game and say and go, okay, we're gonna knock off? The fact that they got beat by App State, we're gonna put that behind them. Um, they barely beat Miami. That's okay. But you, will you be willing to say that they may come out of this game at least close and make it a good game, not a half-played sloppy game like they did with Miami? You know, will will they make it a good game where defense is playing great and offense is able to move the ball? Because that's what I want to see. That's the big thing with Jimbo. Because, I mean, he's regarded as an offensive-minded guy. Yeah. He was an offensive coordinator under Coach Saban, ironically, at LSU. (laughs) And made a name for himself there. And then he was under uh, Coach Bobby Powden at FSU and made a name for himself there. So, I mean, he's done some things. He's won a national championship. He's done all of this. But at some point, there's going to have to be some hard conversations. You know, he came in and everybody thought, okay, here we go. We're back to being A&M. Yeah. And that was his problem. We're going to get back. And, and he showed flashes of it, and then it was like all of a sudden, after he got gypped from not being a, a top four team in the country in the COVID year. Yeah. After that, it was over. I want to I wanna know, and, and, and this is something to keep up with, too, is I want to know how he recruits his players. Because you have all these top players. You can't say that there isn't enough for uh, top players for you to recruit. Because as of right now, with the talent that's coming out of high school, with all these top quarterbacks, these receivers. He's got plenty of talent. And like I said, he keeps getting these grades of you know having the best yeah. recruiting well, class. Why are they? Are you, why are you not winning ball games? Yeah. Like, it's easier to have this excuse or this conversation if you're some school that can't recruit. Yeah, you know, like you know, because of whatever, nobody wants to come play at your school, and it's just tough, tough going. But you got plenty of money, obviously. You're paying these guys, uh, or supposedly paying these guys. Um, you got the money. You've got the location. You're in the SEC. You're Jimbo Fisher. You've got everything that you could ask for. So where where is the product on the field that you promised Texas A&M for all this money? Yep, that. And then, I just wonder, is he is he playing him or is he sending him on the sideline or redshirting him? 
I mean, there has to be some type of answer to it because I mean, I just don't get it. I think it's a mixture of a little bit yeah, of this, but and a bit at of the that. same time, but can you up. can you afford to do that? The way y'all are playing right now, you've got to win ball games. Yeah, and, and like I said, I want to know how they recruit because I mean, right now you have a top receiver out of Longview coming out, a five star receiver mm-hmm. could end up there somewhere else. Who knows? But then you have a, 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 a few top quarterbacks coming out. Now I'm not saying Haynes. I'm still in question about Haynes King. But the one y'all have right now, I don't know if he's any good either. But um, it, it kind of puts the question up in the air. Do you go and recruit another quarterback? Well, top then quarterback. Did, but then what do you have to do with Haynes King? I, if Haynes King can't get the job done, so be it. I mean, it, it just is what it is. I mean, you have but, to okay, make that so decision. Okay, so this goes down to this is a business. Yeah, it's a politics thing. If you if you kick Haynes King to the curb, ain't nobody from all of you going out of Texas A&M. Are you willing to make that sacrifice? And and, and, and it, but then it becomes a tough sell in all of East Texas because of his dad. I I, it, I I think it depends on how the the King family would react. If Jimbo comes in and says, "Hey, we tried, you know, you had all this time, it's just not working out. We're gonna go in a different direction." Yeah. So then, how do they respond? Do, do they respond in we're hurt, we're upset, we don't like this? He's, you know, Jimbo promised X, Y, Z, or or do you take the road of, "Hey, my kid didn't play well." I don't know. I mean, knowing Coach King, he's gonna do whatever he thinks. He's gonna support whatever he thinks is the best football decision. But I don't know that benching Haynes is the best football decision. I, I don't know at this point. You know, it might be where you, you just say this season we're going to give this a go and I'm going to hitch my wagon to him and see what happens and see what I have going into next year. But if you just bench him and it, it's a small sample size because he's only played, what, two or three games for you yeah. in total, and you just bench him, that's a hard sell to make. And that's a hard sell to, to make on the recruiting trail especially around here and in Texas in general because everybody knows Coach King. Right. And, well, you did that to him. What are you going to do to me? Like, how fast are you going to move on from me? And that's where we've reached in college football with this transfer portal, just like we've done because of the rookie contract situation in the NFL, is we will move on from these quarterbacks like there's no tomorrow. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's what have you done for me lately, and that lately is what have you done for me in the last drive. Like, if you don't <laughs> give me what I want, then I'm going to move on. I'm going to try something different. Yeah, well, and that's something I want to talk about when we get to the NFL part. But that's, a, like you said, it's a business. But are you willing to make those business moves? At some point, you have to ask yourself about Haynes King. Now, why did I really recruit him? Why, you know, was it because of his dad? Or was it because the kid actually had talent? What I'm seeing right now with Hayes King, he's not confident in the pocket. He's not sure. And it, it doesn't, it looks like it's, you know, there's a lot of hesitation uh, coming from him. And I don't, I don't blame them for, you know, not starting him this past week. But moving forward, I would like to see what this quarterback now is able to offer now and, and what he's able to do. Can he win, lead them to wins? Um, if he can, then Haynes King, it may be, it is what it is from that from that point. But if not, if this quarterback can't do this, will you give Haynes King another chance? And, and if he can't get the job done, then 
then you have a serious question. Yeah. Then you have that, you know, I, I do you go out and recruit this another top of quarterback or a real, you know, top recruit quarterback? <laughs> Texas A and M has a lot of questions to answer right now regarding quarterback and, and possibly your coach. coach yeah. I mean, just the whole whole nine yards. Let's see. Florida at Tennessee, I think that's got some potential to be a good game to watch. You've got Baylor at Iowa State. Again, Baylor kind of on a downturn this year from where I thought they would be coming off of last year. Uh, so so I think that's a good game. Let's see. And then you got Texas at Texas Tech. Red River. That ain't the Red River. What is that? No, that's just the shootout. The yeah. Texas shootout. Yeah. And, well, it used to be a shootout, but now Texas has decided they actually like playing defense a little bit. You, got, <laughs> you know, and, and I think a, a large part, and this is what a lot of people aren't talking about with Texas, although it did get talked about quite a bit when they played Alabama, you brought in Coach Gary Patterson from TCU. Ooh. And he is a very defensive-minded coach. I mean, a defensive genius. He's been working all season on things. In fact, I think he said prior to the Alabama game that he worked for two solid months just on Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant defensive football mind. Yeah. Uh, you... And I think that that's made all the difference at UT. And you've got a seasoned head football coach that Coach Sarkeesian, another one that he can lean on. Just like, you know, he learned from Coach Saban, you can learn from Coach Patterson. Well, you look at how Patterson built his secondary and TCU, at TCU. I mean, he's obviously a man of, he likes speed. Uh, Mm -hmm. He likes length, he likes speed. Uh, We've seen that with Texas this this week and uh, in the Alabama game. Their secondary is a, Pretty much a shutdown secondary. I mean, they're hard to pass against. Um, but you get a guy like that. You know, he coached uh, Jeff Gladney, you know, mm-hmm. who recently passed away. Uh, Jeff Gladney was a top recruit coming out of high school going into TCU. And one of a top draft pick, I think, came out in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had the other players around him. So, TCU, those guys, when he was there, I mean, they flew around the ball. And so, with him bringing that type of mindset to Texas helps them a lot. Now, at the beginning, beginning of before the season started, I had questions about that. Yeah. But now, seeing it now, I see where the progress has been made. And uh, to look forward to seeing Texas uh, and that secondary, and that well, that defense, that whole defense, um, put on the show. Now, I, I do want to see how they respond to Texas and uh, Texas Tech. Uh, I'm not sure how good Texas Tech is. Um, Texas Tech is just are they are, <laughs> typical Texas Tech. Yeah, score a lot of points, can't win games. Yeah, and so I'm 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 excited to see that. But with this secondary, are they going to be able to get the ball off to anybody? Because I mean, Texas is flying around the ball. That that front is pretty good as well. Um, and then on the offensive side, they they've had to kind of revert to running the ball, but that ain't a problem because you got. Uh, Dijon Robinson and then uh, or Dijon Bijan Johnson and then uh, Robinson at tailbacks who did a great job Saturday at UTSA and so you you don't have a question there they can run the ball they can move the ball so here okay here's a question think about this we're talking about Texas where they're playing a defense they got a good offense. If your only loss at the end of the regular season, wasn't that one? It was twenty to nineteen with Alabama. Right? Yeah, yeah. So 
your only loss is a one point loss to Alabama. You went you beat Oklahoma, you beat Baylor, you win the Big Twelve. How do you keep them out of the playoffs? <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, but that's the question I had about Texas A and M. Yeah. I, I, well, that year that's going to be a debate, you yeah. know, going in. I think that that's a storyline that we're going to be talking about. Because then you say they rightfully deserve a spot in the playoffs. Yeah. Rightfully, I mean, and it's going to be supposed to be eight teams here this year. Is no, eight, or that, that'll be in a couple of three years. Yeah, but either way, that's you have to ask that question: Do they deserve? I think if that's the case, if they go on to win the Big Twelve. And their only loss being to Alabama, twenty to nineteen, they deserve to be in that, that spot. That's just a debate that we yeah. might be having. Um, let's see here. Moving on to the NFL. Oh boy, Lots John of Robinson. Yes, John Robinson. So you've got <laughs> our Dallas Cowboys uh, being the Cincinnati Bengals, twenty to uh, seventeen. No, twenty nine. Seven. No, twenty. 20 to 17. Yeah, 20 to 17. I had a line there, and I'm like, that's that's not accurate. It was 20 to 17. <laughs> uh, 20 to 17, I got to watch the first half of that ball game. It is what it is. You got Cooper Rush at quarterback. It's not like we're going to have this brilliant playbook. No. and I don't know. And, and this ain't an off game. They they did. Uh, been having a couple of off these the first, last week and this week. Uh but you, you look at Cincinnati, and you know they're they're coming off a Super Bowl year. And, I have and questions that, about whether or not they're that good. I, okay, so I, I think that was an outlier season. Well, yeah, I do too, uh, especially in the defensive side. Um, but the offense is obviously good with Joe Burrow. You got Joe Burrow. You got Jamar Chase. You got T Higgins. You're gonna uh, put up boy. points. You're you're yeah. gonna score more than but you did last. The, my question yesterday. is, my question is, that offensive line played horribly. Now, either, and we're gonna talk about the Cowboys here in a second. But that offensive line played horribly, and with the new addition to Lyle Collins, who uh, played for the Cowboys last season at right tackle. Goodness, man, I haven't, I ain't seen the offensive line play that horribly in a long time. Yeah, well, since Joe Burrow's. Uh, rookie year when he got hurt. Yeah, six. They gave up what six sacks yesterday. Yeah, I mean that was just. I, I like I said. I think they're a playoff team, but yeah. I don't know that they're like a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, no, not this. I, I, I think they're a playoff team. I think last year because there was a lot of people that were down, and they, even this season. But you edged out Kansas City. You, yeah, I mean, like you just you got through who you had to get through. Yeah. It, they made it to the Super Bowl. Now, we obviously knew by the end of it, the Rams were the better team. But, if but you, barely. Yeah. But it came down to that last drive. Yeah, but if you take... So, you take those two teams who are... Well, Rams are now 1-1. One one, yeah. Uh, and the Bengals, yeah, Bengals are 0-2. So, you take those two teams. Rams lost week one to the Bills. Yeah, kind of question, yeah. Kind of question, okay, were they really ever that good? Because they, as far as I know, they only lost two players. And Von Miller in their starting uh, tackle. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they lost uh, Odell Beckham. And Odell Beckham. Um, so, you kind of ask, okay, were they really that good? 
Well, any of these teams that went to the Super Bowl last year, any well, they, well, they really, barely beat San Francisco. I mean, last year was one of those where it was just get get by who you yeah. got to get by, and you got a chance to win it. There was no real blowouts. I mean, it was it was tight and down to the wire until the Super Bowl, even in the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, last so, year parity was king in the NFL. Like everybody was kind of on one plane. Now it's like Buffalo and everybody else. Yeah. I mean, and, and so you're you're asking these questions. Were they really good? And, and then the Bengals and the way that they've they played these last two weeks, you ask those questions. Are they good? Can they can they last throughout the season like they did last year? Um, like I said, even though they had Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase didn't really do much. Now he had some small plays, but they were big plays. Uh, but he didn't really do much last game. T Higgins pretty much did all the work. Uh, so you ask those questions, you know, you know, are they gonna get it? You know, get to the playoffs this year, or even maybe I don't think they'll go to Super Bowl. But Dallas Cowboys uh, kind of hushed all the uh, naysayers and the haters uh. for a mo- not for a moment now, because I believe that score should have been they should have done a lot more than what they did. Uh, but that, to me, that was more about Cincinnati not being who we thought. Yeah. As opposed to the... Because, I mean, the Cowboys are fighting with each other. So prior to the ball game, like on Friday, wasn't it Thursday or Friday? Friday. You know, they have media day, and and uh, Jerry Jones is calling out his receiver, and, and then uh, Mike McCarthy's calling out Kellen Moore, and Jones is... I mean, it's just... Now it's like they all turn their guns on each other, and Cooper Rush is not the answer for the Cowboys. No, I mean... And he waited too long to get a backup. We'll talk about that in a second. Well, they brought Will Greer back. Uh, he was he was on the sideline, I saw. Yeah, he's back, but I'm talking about like a... A long term? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, uh, but, you know... And Ben DiNucci. Uh, the Cowboys, like I said... Fourth time, they did hush all the naysayers. Now, second half, they didn't score any points until it got to the last three seconds and they had the, the game-winning field goal. But what's the Cowboys' identity? Nobody knows. Uh, we so, don't know. So that's, Does that, Kellen Moore know? Does Kellen Moore know what he wants to do? I don't There was times where I looked at Mike McCarthy and I was like, this guy, he looks so confused. Uh, he doesn't know what's going on, defense or offense. But the thing with Cowboys' offense yesterday, it's, it's shockingly surprising what happened. Uh, they had a the, the run game as we know has been better, uh, yes. and that that's due to better blocking up front. Yes, um, the run game was there. Yeah, yesterday. they're they're trying this uh, the shovel pass. They get back kind of mm-hmm. to the old school way of running now, and that's yeah. interesting to see with Kellen Moore because we know he likes to pass, but that pass game wasn't there. Now yesterday it was, um, but you're not going to be big. able. It was a scaled down playbook yesterday because Cooper Rush is your quarterback, but the, the you. Scaled down because you don't really have the receiver That's what talent. I'm saying. So uh, you can't expect to win every game that way. Yeah. But Jerry does. Jer- I still say they need to go and get a receiver. Now, Noah Brown had a breakout game yesterday. Now, Noah Brown's been with the Cowboys for three, four years now. This is the first season that he's ever really played to this extent. Now, he had a breakout game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean... Guy showed up, and I believe he's showing the type of receiver he's always been since his Ohio State days. Um, and and I'm I'm happy for him, glad to see it. 
it kind of takes a little bit of, of the pressure off of C.D. Lamb. Um, now, C.D. had a good game yesterday as well. Uh, but it, it still questions, you. do you need a little bit more, another receiver? I believe that they do. Because until you get Michael Gallup back, you only have two. But uh, he blames he blames uh, CD. You can't do that. Well, I, I agree, but that's what I'm saying. This is the problem with the Cowboys. I don't think that anybody, not Jerry and McCarthy, not McCarthy and Kellamore, I don't think anybody's on the same page. Yeah, and the players are taking the the, the, the hit for it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and but I believe it. Their, career. Yeah. This isn't high school where they have a, you know... Four oh, years and then another level and yeah. then another... No, it, no, this is it. Yeah. And so you you have to ask that question. Really, okay, I don't think Jerry... Jerry ain't the favorite right now for any Cow, Dallas Cowboys fans. He's never really have been. But especially now because he's so set in the way that he thinks that we're set at receiver. We don't need anybody else. Well, that's not so. Because just like CD said uh, this past week, you got to think. You had Amari Cooper. You have Gallup. All the attention were on those two on the outside. So you were able to move CD in that slot. So you get those two double teamed. Now CD is only have, playing single man. Mm-hmm. And I can beat that single man all right. day. But now I'm playing in double coverage. And I can barely get loose or free. And so as to where now it's just CD and Noah Brown on the outside. And given with Dennis Houston, who's a rookie. You don't, I mean, you just don't have those threat right, threats right now until Michael Gallup comes back. And then you, you still have uh, James Washington, but we don't know how he played, how he plays because he got hurt before preseason games. Right. So, your receiving core is that question as of now until Gallup and James Washington gets back. But until then, do you go and make moves? Do you go get OBJ or do you go get T. Higgins or somebody to kind of give you some insurance? Well, you've had these receivers say, call me. Well, yeah. Like, they want to come to Dallas. Von Miller wanted to come to Dallas. Aaron Rodgers wanted to come to Dallas. Russell Wilson, who we're going to talk about here in a second, wanted to come to Dallas. What are the cow- – I, I really, and I've said this, and I will say it until the season's over and he proves me different – this is not a season that's built on winning. This is a season about get me by until I can go get Sean Payton to be my head football coach. But the question is, <coughs> does Sean Payton really want that job? I mean, if if you look at that roster, that's not a Super Bowl caliber roster right now. They're not going to win a Super Bowl. You have a. This is the funny thing about Dallas. The offense doesn't look Super Bowl ready, but their defense does. Yeah, that's but, a, but you don't it's have so a lopsided. Receiver. No, yeah. it's so lopsided. Now, let's talk about their defensive yesterday, defense in yesterday game. That front played better than I've seen them ever play. When you talk, Dan Quinn's talking about the defense, Endo not taking a head coaching job. He's got to be looking around going, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, no, sorry, Jerry. Not <laughs> enough money in the, the rainbow, you know, to but keep me here. I, I believe it may get to a fact. I don't know if it was Mike McCarthy's playbook yesterday because there was a lot more running. The, the playbook was balanced yesterday. But – I, don't I do know. think, based off what he said, that he's he wants Kellen Moore to call the game a certain way. Yeah, but Kellen and I ask this question again: What, where's where's the the extravagant playbook that we always talk about? That's always talked about. Well, so here's the problem with the mainstream media and and football fans in general: we term these guys geniuses. 
Well, he's an offensive genius. Yeah. Well, he's a defensive genius. Kellen Moore runs a basic playbook. But we want to say he's an offensive genius. We want to make him something that he's probably not. Could he win at the college level? Maybe. Should he, you know, he, he was under some sort of flirtation consideration by USC... Uh, I think there was a couple other colleges that, that kind of put some feelers out there about maybe getting him to come there. Could he win at that level? Maybe. You know, but I, I, I think if you're Kellen Moore, probably at the end of the year, you're gone, regardless of who the head coach is. Go back to being a quarterback's coach. Like, if you want to stay in the NFL, just coach a position. You know, be the good soldier. Do what you're supposed to do. But he is not the guy that you want holding the play sheet, the play call sheet, making the hard decisions. Well, you know, it's been year after year. It's like I said the other day. You see those plays where it's like, oh, wow, that's flashy. But you only see those plays like once or twice in the beginning of the season. And then he puts the rabbit back in the hat. You know, yeah, and that's, yeah. So where is this playbook at? Now, I do believe he could do well at college because it seems that the plays he wants to run are flashy uh, and could be well ran at a college level. You go to the Pac-12, nobody plays over there. Yeah, and then <laughs> so, the Pac-12. So he, I believe he do he do good. Go to the the new Big Twelve after Texas and Oklahoma. Lee. Yeah, and so beat I, up on the rest of those slappies. I believe that he'd do great at a, at a college level, but NFL man, it's like his playbook game showing up for NFL level. No, I, I don't. I, <laughs> what he wants to do. It looks pretty when it can be ran and they actually execute it good. Uh, but to be realistic about it, man, we don't know what it even looks like because you don't even run it. And <laughs> and right now, you don't really have the offense to run it. And this ain't the time to sit in your secret layer and come up with all this mess. It's like, well, well, we'll pull it up when we need it. No, you need yeah. it now. Like, this is the panic mode. Yeah. You, you, you're starting quarterbacks out. You got a backup. Now, and I know we're bad about overreacting, but Dallas just isn't. They they're just not not there this season. Not not a Super Bowl contender. Maybe a playoff team, but not a Super Bowl. Contender. Maybe a playoff team. Uh, let's see. So Denver, they played last Thursday. Russell Wilson goes back to Seattle and gets beat seventeen sixteen. Then yesterday, um, I'm sorry, that was last Monday, not last Thursday. <coughs> A week ago uh, today, he gets beat 17-16 in his return to Seattle and in his Denver debut. Yesterday, they barely win 16-9 over Tex- uh, the Texans. I thought the whole deal was let Russ cook. <laughs> That's what this was all supposed to be about. What is Denver doing? What is Nathaniel Hackett doing? Maybe this is why Aaron Rodgers thought, on second thought, I think I'll stay in Green Bay. <laughs> I mean... What are you doing? It was about, you know, Russ wanted out because I want control. He's not throwing the ball anymore in Denver. Than he did in Seattle. he did in Seattle. Okay, so I, I... Another question you have to ask. Is Russell Wilson still that guy? I think he could be, but we don't know. The last, I mean, it because in Seattle it was like, okay, fourth quarter, go be Superman, and he would do it. Can he do it for full course? I would believe so. Like I, I have no reason not to believe that. But he's not been given the opportunity. 
That's what the whole move to Denver was about, was they're going to give me an opportunity to run the offense. I'm going to get to be the field general that I want to be. I'm going to throw the ball. I'm going to be in the mix. I'm going to get consulted about putting together some, some plays on the call sheet, all of that. And it's like all of that has gone to the wayside, and now let's just do what Russell Wilson does and run the football and come pull us out in the fourth quarter. I don't know. I, I, I think he's like Rang on I didn't the Cowboys call. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say because if he had went to the Cowboys, he'd be able to do all that. In now, he still might more. not have any receivers to throw to. As but we know you, it now. Okay, but do you keep those guys? When you, if you get Russell Wilson. If you get Russell Wilson, is Amari Cooper still in Dallas? I say so. It has to be. Does OBJ, do you just automatically sign it? Like, is that a no-brainer? That, no. I don't think they get OB. Well... Possibly, because I mean and that was a landing spot I, I, I for him. I don't see why not. That was a landing spot for so him. So you've got OBJ, you've got Michael Gallup when he gets healthy. You would have Amari Cooper, you would have CD mm-hmm. Lamb, and you've got Russell Wilson as your quarterback. Now that that, ladies and gentlemen, is a Super Bowl contending football team with that defense and that. Then now you got a chance. You still have Pollard and Zeke in the backfield. You got all this going on. Yeah. When you put it like that, it looks real pretty. It looks, but it looks real promising. The first deal that they passed on was Russell Wilson because we're committed to Dak. Well, who knows what Dak? Here's the here's my fear about Dak, and I know it's just a thumb injury. I understand, but that's still a broken thumb injury on a quarterback. Yeah. I, I I'm afraid that he's going to be one of those guys that everybody's going to look back and say what could have been. He he had the potential. He you know. But he's going to be one of those guys that every so often something's going to happen, you know, whether it be a major injury or just something that keeps him out for two, three, four games, whatever the case may be. I don't. And you passed on that guy. I I said this before. I don't see Dak Prescott being the franchise quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. No, I but don't that's see... what they're paying him to do. Yeah. See, that's the problem. That's where Jerry made the mistake. He paid franchise money to non-franchise talent. I don't see it happening. Now, in the early years, you could say, okay, this guy has a chance. But now it's like, yeah, it ain't happening. I don't. I, I just don't. I don't see him being the them putting a franchise tag on Dak. Um, I don't know how long Dak has left in Dallas. Uh, and that, and but if you're these other teams, do you trade for this guy? I mean, I think that's the problem that Jerry's gotten himself into is he paid all this money. No, no team's just going to say, "Yeah, come on down, let's take on the contract." Well, I think Jerry, I believe Jerry, the the contract that he gave Dak was a, a pity contract. Yeah, he felt bad because he got hurt. Injury. Yeah. But that's Jerry's problem. Jerry is loyal to these guys to a fault. That's why we had to watch Jason Garrett for those so many years that he had no business being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's why we've had to endure Dak Prescott. We've had to waste what was good about Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, we we wasted Amari Cooper. We wasted all of these guys. Pretty soon, Gallup's going to be on that list. CeeDee Lamb's going to be on that list. And we're going to look around and go, what could have been if we would have had a quarterback? And if we would have got the coach that that everybody really wanted or whatever the case needs to be, I'm just so, 
to a point with Jerry where it's like, why? You say you want to win another Super Bowl, then why did you make the moves that you've made? And Jerry, when Jerry is pressed on the issues, has no answers. Other than, well, I've got options. Well, then what are they, Jerry? Like, tell us, please. We, we would love to know. For media's sake. But, I mean, they, they just don't... It doesn't strike me, even this season, like you said, it doesn't strike me that they are going to be contending for a playoff spot or, hey, let's, let alone You're not even, I don't, You're I don't not think even they're winning the division. I think that I, I see the Eagles, them going head-to-head with the Eagles for the division. Yeah, right the now. Eagles play the Vikings tonight. So there's too many night games. Yeah. you got uh, Titans at Bills. That's juicy. And then you've got uh, the Vikings at the Eagles. I, I, I'm curious to watch that game just to see the Eagles play. Yeah. But I think that that's – I don't know that you're beating them. I yeah, I, but uh, Dallas, <laughs> that's my team, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a ca- we're, there are Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. But, I, you know, a lot of questions. Let's see. In other news, Chiefs uh, beat the Chargers last Thursday, 27-24. That was a good ball game. Uh, Justin Herbert gets injured and then makes one last drive down the field. One Char- shoulder. The, the, the Chargers are a good f- dynasty in the NFL or any of professional sports. Yes. Well, you had to be consistent with it. They were up until that point. But that's what I'm saying. But it's like once that gets derailed. Because it's one of those where after he won that first Super Bowl, it was just assumed, well, he'll be back. You know, he'll win three or four more. And we say that about Joe Burrow. Oh, it's okay. You lose one now. You'll be back. Some of these quarterbacks never get to play for another Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's their one chance. Like, Stafford may not make it back to the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford, that was his one chance. Joe Namath got one chance. Dan Marino got one chance. I mean, some of these guys don't ever get another chance. Like, that's just it. Right. Well, it's just like I said earlier. You treat, as fans and as as media, sometimes, sometimes media, but as fans, we treat it as this NFL game or these football games, we treat it as if it's like playing Madden. Oh, if I don't win this game, I can just restart and do it again. And, That's not how. It yeah, works. no. These are guys. These are real people out on this field taking real hits that could either end their end their career or shorten their career. Yeah, because I mean, it 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 just doesn't happen like that. You can't quit the game and restart and pick another team. It's this isn't this isn't a video game. These are real players. Real people, and so you we we can't just say, oh well, we got next year. They got next year. No, you don't know what could happen to these players uh, next year or between the off season and the next season opener. 
Uh, and as of today, you're starting to see players who are retiring after eight to ten seasons. Yeah. You know, that sound, hey, it ain't worth it no more. You know, I, I want to be able to be around for my kids. And here lately, we've seen influx of guys quit after three or four years. Yeah. Because they're looking at it and saying, it ain't, it's not worth it. And especially some of these teams, these good players, and uh, uh, these teams aren't getting them any help. So they're just wasting, taking all these body shots. And, like, I can't do this by myself. Yeah. You know? And so they're looking at it like, hey, I still want to be around and healthy and mentally healthy for my kids, my family. It's not worth it. Yeah. You know? So eight, 18 years or less, hey, I'm hanging up, hanging up my cleats. I'm retiring. And I don't blame them. I do not blame them. Uh, but you're right. <laughs> it's not. It's not always next year. That's sometimes. That's the only chance they get. See, uh, Giants beat Carolina nineteen sixteen. That's not working out in Carolina the way some thought. Baker's not making them automatic Super Bowl contenders. Uh, the Jets uh, beat Cleveland thirty one to thirty. I. No words for the Cleveland situation. <laughs> that was a bad game. Cleveland should have sealed that game off. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, I <laughs> they should have sealed it. But I don't that understand. goes back to the whole Deshaun, and I hate bringing his name. It goes back to the whole Deshaun Watson deal. What I mean? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> I won't even go down that rabbit hole. But what is this really about? You're not going to win games with Jacoby Brissett. Like, not consistently. Especially not in a tight situation like that. So you trade Baker. Baker's not surrounded by anybody. If he was in Cleveland, he wins that ball game. And then now you've got Deshaun Watson. You don't even know what he's going to be like when he comes back. It's, it's a showdown in Cleveland. I just don't understand. It's not the, the show that everybody But this thought. is what I said weeks ago before the season started. If you'll remember the last time that Deshaun Watson was actually mentioned after being mentioned like three weeks in a row. But the last time that Deshaun Watson was mentioned, I, I said he's going to be a cloud over the season. Regardless of what happens in Cleveland. Mm. And that's exactly what's going on. Yeah, because now you... Why ask, did you do that? Like, you... <laughs> because now it's like... <laughs> you knew he wasn't going to play for X amount of games. Were you able to, you know, endure those pain shots until he gets there? But even, like I said, you're out of the playoff picture by the time he comes back. Yeah. So he's not going to save your well, season and, this year. But, okay, do you risk... What if he gets injured? That's a guaranteed contract, Jack. What if he gets hurt? And now he's at another year. Does he's got to look okay, wide-eyed until over, he... What is the over-under percentage chance? Okay, I'll give you over-under 60% chance. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> over-under 60% chance that Deshaun Watson plays this season. I was gonna say the same thing. I don't see him playing this season. I, it'd be pointless to bring him back. So to you last. take the under. Yeah, I, I think we both take the yeah. under. I, I, it will be pointless. It depends on how, and most likely, it's it's looking like, like their season isn't going to be that great. And so, why would you bring him back the but last five, three, okay, six, five, six games? 
three years without playing NFL football. They signed up for this. They knew this. They knew that he was going to miss an X amount of games. But I don't know that they thought that it would get... I think that they thought if he settled those cases, that the NFL would say, okay, you've settled it. There won't be... You know, they're all going to sign NDAs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're going to deal with Houston and the 30, the 30 other women. And I think that they thought that the NFL would look at it and say, okay, you get four or five games. Maybe the six, I think it was six games that the... Yeah, it was six okay. games. But I think that that's what they thought. And I think they thought, okay, let's look at our schedule. Let's look at our division. Can we go like two and, or, you know, two and four, three and three? And still be in the playoff. And I think that's what they thought. And then when it came down to it, and then now, okay, this is not going to go our way, so now we've got to settle, and then they have to settle, and it's not anywhere close to what they're... There was so much going on behind the scenes in that deal Mm. that was non-football related. Yeah, and when when you bring that up, you you look at the Browns' uh, front office and say, now, was it worth it? <laughs> because it's like they got themselves into a whole mess behind this one player who you haven't seen play in two years. Or, yeah. And you say, well, okay, if that doesn't work out, we got Jacoby Brissett. That wasn't based on confidence. No, uh, and we got you takes off the one guy in the building that could actually exactly, win the and then tried to go and get him back, and then now on top of that, now you bring in a receiver like Omari Cooper, and nobody can get him the ball. Yeah, like, he's going wait. I signed up to play yeah, with Deshaun. Like, yeah, they got you know, but <laughs> but okay, you what do you do with you're him? not with Omari Cooper? He's yeah. there. I, there's nothing they can, but see that's just like uh, Deshaun Watson. There they are. There, there. I mean, in, unless they can opt out a contract or something, but they are there for, for as long as that contract is 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 uh, stands. But the Browns, I don't know. You've gotten yourself into a crap show that is now. It's like you knew good and well. Jacoby Brissett was not your guy. And, and honestly, you should have at the time when it presented itself to go get Jimmy G. You, you should have. But now he's over in San Francisco, and we're going to talk about that. So the Forty Niners won their ball game twenty-seven to seven. So yeah. that's a good segue. And Trey Lance is out for the rest of the year. So talk about ticking a guy off. Him asking to get traded. He doesn't get traded, and now you go. Wait, uh, hey, you want better starting quarterback? That right there. I believe there's moments in time where when we do things and we know it's not the right thing to do, and then God has to say, "Ha, told you so." <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's what. That's exactly. But what now the Cowboys can't just call up and say, "We want Jimmy G." Because what are the forty hours? Get okay, we'll take Cooper Rush. No, <laughs> no. Like you know, send us Ben Danucci and Cooper Rush, and we'll call it even. No, I mean, you look at if you're Cleveland. You can't go get him now because you've got Jacoby Brissett. And yep. you know, like it's just not going to work. Seattle can't go get him. Nobody can go get him. It's over. He he's lost. back at yeah. He's back at the starting position, and he led them to a win yesterday. And so <laughs> now you got to deal with what you got. You know, you just got to. So this goes back to what I said earlier when I said we'd mention this 
in our segment of the NFL. We were so quick to move on from these guys at quarterback. Yeah. But now you're seeing this where, oh, wait, we didn't mean that. <laughs> we're sorry because it doesn't work out. Like, does anybody ever ask the question, okay, is this guy that we're so sold on really going to be good? Like, is he really going to win us the Super Bowl? Or make us a contender? Yeah. You know? And, and, and you know, I obviously, and it sucks for Trey Lance, you know, but at the same time, like I said, it wasn't the right move. It shouldn't have been the move in the first place. Uh no. Because you had Jimmy G, who nearly led you to a Super Bowl, who have led you to a Super Bowl, and then you get this rookie in, or is it rookie, right? Or second? Yeah, yeah, this was his second year. Second year, and then you say, well, we're going to give him a chance. We're going to start him over you. What in their right minds told them that Trey Lance was the guy over Jimmy G well, after because, he led them? Because that's what Kyle Shanahan won. He's a, he's a Kyle Shanahan type of quarterback. He'll sit back, he'll sling it, he'll do this, he'll do that. And that's all you heard about him in the draft. He's a Kyle Shanahan guy. Well, what is a Kyle Shanahan quarterback? Because I hadn't seen him win with a Kyle Shanahan quarterback. <laughs> I've seen him win with Jimmy G. You know, all he does is win. Now, is that more about the team that's around him? Yes. Is that more about Debo Samuel in the backfield? Absolutely. But, but it all happens when Jimmy G's the field general that he's supposed to be. Yeah. He just can't lose the ball game. That's his job. Trey Lance was more about let's let you sling it and go win it. Well, he couldn't do that either. So, now you're back to your, your so, first wife. You question, know? yeah. Question. Do you take that field general over someone that can just sling it and win? Yes. Games? Because I'm looking at this field general. I'm saying you can control the game. You can manage the game. And you can still get us a win. You field general Nine times out of the ten. Field generals will take a team that's not very good and win some playoff games. Yes. Just because they keep you in it late and then allows your defense to make a stop here, make a stop there, and then they're going to make a play. Gunslingers, for the most part, lose you more games than they win you. And that's what I'm, I perceive was happen, going to happen in San Francisco if you would have continued with Trey Lance. Yeah. Now the question is, what do you do next year? What Jimmy G takes you to the playoffs? Hmm. Do you bench him again? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like at what point? And now he's on one year contract, or does he just say, you know, thanks but no thanks? I could see that happening. Like, because right I'll now, take my Super Bowl ring, and I'll walk out. The yeah, door. because right now he's in the position because he has to be, and and, and but now is where he can make money for himself. Yeah. Because, and and this is why I see that happening and him saying, you know, goodbye so long in the end is because you guys didn't believe me in the first, believe in me in the first place enough to start a second year over me, who, which is the quarterback you wanted in the first place. So why are you keeping me around? I'm going to go and try my luck somewhere else, you know? And that's why I see him, that's why I can see him doing that. Because they didn't believe in him to begin with. But then who do you move on from? Okay. He does that. Do you move on from Trey Lance? I see. He's in the third year of his rookie contract, so his rookie contract's almost up. Now you're going to have to pay. But I'm saying they keep they they're going to keep Trey Lance because if Trey Lance is that Mike that Shanahan quarterback that they're that he wants, but what if he turns out not to be? Then what do you do? You then he. I mean, now you're going to have to go draft someone. Yeah. 
But still, I mean, that's a cycle. I, I mean, yeah, that's I'm a unnecessary saying, cycle. Now, what have you done to San Francisco? Like, <laughs> what have you done to your team? Yeah, it, just interesting to me. Uh, let's see other interesting scores. Jags beat the Colts twenty-four to nothing. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Indianapolis is in trouble. I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> this and you love this. Uh, <laughs> <Dying> <laughs> <at> the door. <laughs> yeah, he, he said, "See ya," and they had one cent. Uh, Tampa Bay beats New Orleans twenty to ten, chippy game, but then that leads me to Tom Brady. Tom Brady's become the Deshaun Watson of this show, and that we've talked about Tom Brady for like three or four weeks straight. Get off the field, <laughs> go home, Tom. Do whatever you got to do. So there was a report yesterday that Tom Brady will be off every Wednesday for the rest of the season. Just go home, man. Go home to your family. I Giselle says she's not sticking around if this keeps on. Like she, she released it. There was another home, report about man. that. He's mad because everybody's digging into his personal life. Well, then get off the, get out of the public spotlight. Do something different. This one's too big. But see, that's the thing. You can't get mad because you put yourself in that position. You know. You're the one who came out and said I'm retired, and, and then say, oh, yep, never mind. Site. And it's your fault. Wait, what? I thought you were the athlete. I thought you yeah. made the decisions. Hey. You know, how does one leak pressure Tom Brady? In? No. No. But you're Tom Brady. But if Giselle didn't want him playing football, that break. So, so everybody has confirmed the Miami Dolphins narrative. Uh huh. But that brings that narrative into question. Because now the way Tom's talking, the way Giselle's talking was, she wanted him at home. She did not want him playing football. But okay. it was more about football than it was just the ownership stake. So how true was that storyline? How close were we really to having Sean Payton and Tom Brady in Miami? Yes, it's been confirmed that there were discussions. But I want to know how far did that go and why did he really go out of the country to the soccer game to go talk to the owners of Tampa Bay? What was that really about? I hold on. Because I'm I'm here I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, where did the support leave? Yeah, at what point did she say I don't want you playing football? Um because I'm trying to find it. If I can remember, uh, there was a point in the, in the whole process of this retirement and then coming back that she said, "I will support him if he wants to come. You know, go back and play. You know, yeah, I, I don't want him to, but I'll support him. Yeah. Now there's now a there's a, there's the support has left, and it's looking like you know the marriage is in trouble because of it. So when did when did your full support leave? And for Tom, he's a lot. And this I mentioned this before we started the uh, started the show. Tom Brady has been not is not the same Tom Brady that we knew while he was in New England. He's no. become a lot more edgy, uh, a lot more. Uh, what's the word? If are you argue argumentative or whatever? He's starting to show a lot more tendencies that, hey, I'm going to go after this guy because I don't like what's going on. 
You know, we didn't see that. A lot that. of co- confrontation. Yeah, yeah. We didn't see that in New England. So, like, who is this Tom Brady? You know? And I wonder if that's spanning from, you know, the situation that's going on at home. Or is that just always hit being him? Now he's able to kind of show it. But you, you, you do what you did yesterday because you didn't like a decision that was made on the field. You go and you start a fight or start a, a, a confrontation between a player and then you have your teammate or not have your teammates, but your teammates come to back you up. And then you step away. Yeah. And like you're <laughs> you 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 push yourself to the back of the of the brawl. But but Tom may be destroying his legacy. And that's what he's always said was most important. But Tom is undoing what he worked so hard to do. And that's what's sad to watch. Well, and then you have, you know, Mike does Evans. He, but does he lose the deal with Fox over all this? I don't know. And that, the and $325 million yeah. dollar TV deal. Because if he makes a bad image for himself, Fox could say, you know what, better yet, we're good. Uh, yeah, but, like you're not who yeah, we thought. Yeah, but it was the statement that Mike Evans made after getting rejected, you know, and after the game, you know, it's Tom Brady. Okay. Would you have done you did the well, we know he did the same thing for Jameis Winston and got ejected from the game. But at the same time, man, like I understand protecting your quarterback, but your quarterback started it. He instigated the whole situation. Yes. And it didn't because want to get he didn't, the Yeah, because he didn't like the, the, the call made on the field. And that's not the first time Tom Brady's done that. No. And, and I'm, at this point, I'm like, Tom, you know, like, who is this? You know, who is this guy? But even from just a football perspective, Father Time has finally caught Tom Brady. Yeah. Arm strength's not quite there like it once was. He's not making some of the best decisions. Uh, it, should, it finally caught him. You know, and here was the guy that we thought just could play as long as he wanted to play. You know, and dink and dunk and dissect and do, and it's like all that just disappeared. Yeah. And we, you know, we've thought for years, okay, this is it, this is it, and it never happened. But now that it's happened, it's almost anticlimactic. Yeah. So well, I was like, okay. Well, when he, when, when talks first began, not last year, the year before, about him retiring. We were like, oh, man, he's going to retire? Like, dang, like, what is the, you know, what is the, what is the NFL going to be without Tom Brady? But then when he finally retired, it was like, career well done. You know, he, good. Yeah. It's by, it's time for him to retire. And then he comes back. It's like, okay, why? Like, what's, <laughs> what's what, your point? Yeah. Like, you didn't what, get Gronkowski to come back yeah, with him. You don't have nothing. You have nothing to prove now. And I, you know, the love of the game, I understand you wanting to be around the game. But coach, man, don't put your body through that anymore just because you love to be around the players. If you love to be around the players to practice, coach, become a coach. Jason Witten did it. I think if he's got a good personality, he could be a good analyst if he continues to show some personality. I don't know how good he's going to be. Fox better hope he's good for $325 million. Um, I I just, I don't know, it's just kind of sad to see Tom Brady... In this, in this, because when you liked him, right, you respected him. Now you don't even respect him. Well, I never really liked Tom Brady. Can't really say I respected no. him, but uh, I, re- I always respected him as a competitor. He's a guy who put in a lot of work. Yeah, 
I was more impressed with him when he went to Tampa Bay than I was when he was in New England. I don't know why this weird situation for me, but I guess because it was a new team and he still led them to the Super Bowl. Uh, and there was always that controversy about him and Belichick. Like, yeah. You know, who, and it was who, always some kind of scandal going on in New yeah. England. Uh, so I, maybe that's why. But now it's like, Tom, man, you know, it's time to hang it up, man. You know, <laughs> we, we've seen your stint. Throughout the years, since I was a kid, I'm 27 years old, and and Tom Brady started in what 2001. One, yeah, he came in for for Bledsoe in 01. Yeah, so uh, man, I was in first grade then, <laughs> and so I've seen Tom Brady every since then up to this point. And it's like, man, okay, now it's it's time to hang it up. And I'm pretty sure it was the same for the fans when you know the the uh, Brett Favre. Uh, back era. and forth and back. And yeah, forth. I was like, come on now, Brick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? just set it down. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Interesting scores. Uh, the the Lions, Detroit Lions, beat Washington Commanders 36-27. Okay. Hey, Detroit playing tough. They, you know, you know that they're going to under Dan Campbell. They're going to play hard. Yeah. And now, Former if you're Cowboy. Washington, what do you do? Uh, let's see. So he loses 36-27. We've already talked about the 49ers. Uh, Cardinals uh, beat Las <laughs> Vegas 29-23. That was an odd game, but a inter- most entertaining, weird game to watch it, but entertaining. Uh, not anything to do with Las Vegas or the Raiders, but all to do with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals yeah. in the last minutes of that game. Where they make that drive. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. the last seconds. Because Kyler Murray destroyed the Raiders' defense in that red zone. Yeah. I mean, he was given 20.8 seconds to get a ball. Well, to, um, get me through. No, he ran it. 20.8 seconds to get a touchdown, a two-point conversion. And that wasn't the end of the game. At the end of the game, defense just gave up. I mean, you left a receiver open. You gave him multiple, just all this time in the pocket, do whatever he wanted to do. And then he ends up going down, score, and then making a two-point conversion. Now you have yourself a tied ball game. And here's another thing, another rant that I have. Or here's a rant that I have. Players, stop fighting for extra yards. If you have the first down. At any level. Yes. You have the first down, or even if you don't, do not fight for yardage because you leave yourself open to get hit and fumble or to get hit and critically injure yourself. Do not fight for yardage. It's not worth it. And that's what we seen yesterday in Hunter Winfro is that he fought for yardage, and, and, and in doing so, he left himself open with no ball control. The ball was already halfway out, and so all yeah. the defensive uh player had to do was come in, hit his arm, they fumble, and one of the Cardinals players picks it up, runs it in for a touchdown, and that's the ball game in overtime. Don't fight for extra yardage. Go down, especially if you have downs to give. You're right there. Just go down. And that's what happened with the Cowboys yesterday, too. Uh, and and uh, Dalton Schultz. You, 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 you're right there, man. You had the first Just down. Go Just go down. Um, so don't don't fight for yardage. It's not worth it in the end. Uh, let's see. 
So that kind of wraps up. We've already talked about the two Monday night games side. Again, it's going to be the Titans at the Bills and the Vikings at the Eagles. So be sure and take in some good football on Monday night. Uh, NBA news, Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver is fined and suspended over um, racist and misogynistic comments that he has made. Probably going to lose that team. That's a whole other narrative. It's same song, different singer. Yep. The deal is with that, I mean... It's happening everywhere. It's just that they're getting caught now. I mean, well, now you've got record. Now, now that's where he's getting lucky. Is there's no recordings? If there was recordings with him, like there was Donald Sterling, he's gone. Yeah. The I, reason he only got the suspension is because it's kind of hearsay. Like it's oh he said this or oh he yeah. said that. If you had recordings that got played on television, yeah, he's gone. Because it's too bad of a look for the NBA. I still say it's too bad of a look for the NBA. Anyways, regardless, I don't think he. Remains the owner of the Phoenix Suns. After that, it's kind of hard to. I mean. Well, it's kind of hard for the players to stay. I yeah, mean, we know how you feel about us. Okay, but how about this? I'm talking about back back to the NFL. Houston, Texas owner did the same thing, and players stayed. Nothing happened to him. But that's why Deshaun Watson won out. If Deshaun Watson would have got his way, and all of the allegations hadn't come out against him, it would have been a different story in Houston. The, the owner's gone. Yeah, the the thing that the, the reason that McNamara got off the hook that John McNamara got off the hook in Houston is because of the Deshaun Watson thing. Yeah, well, I like I said, it, it it's been happening. It's just now that they're getting caught, people are actually coming out and like, hey, you know, they're saying this, they said this, and it's it's starting to hold true. Uh. But as far now, as Daniel Snyder survived all these allegations, but again, John Gruden. Yeah. You, you leaked those emails. It, it, it's all about who knows who. Sarver's problem is that the, the other NBA owners don't like him. Like, they've come out and said, we don't like him. <laughs> so they can vote, you know, push yeah. him. Where, you know, Snyder is protected by Jerry Jones and some of the other owners and. The same thing with McNamara down in Houston. Like, they're, they're protected, right? You, you know, I, I think Sarver's out. And I think that it, it that's a statement of where we're at in the world, uh, where we're at as a country. And, and I think, you know, just from a, a, again, this is a sports show, so just look at it, at it from a sports perspective. You've got to have people in charge that can put together whatever the best team is for your city. Yeah, and your organization, and you can't have all of these off the field things that consistently and constantly cloud uh, the the water. Yeah, and it's unwanted media coverage. Yes, yeah. so I, I understand that too. Nobody wants that, and it's a distraction for the team. And so, yeah, I agree. You, you want the best team, you want to be able to build the best team, but you can't do that if everybody else is looking over here. You need them to focus. The team back. So, the Nets are back in the news in the NBA. Really? Yes. Good news, I hope. No. 
So, Mark Stein, of, uh, who's an NBA insider, reported that the Nets' recent signing of Markeith Morris was rooted in a desire to acquire a veteran voice willing to stand up to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Oh, they got the right one. <laughs> but what I, is it? Okay, so Los Angeles did this. Where is this heading? Okay. I mean, this is, this is what... It this works. is the interesting is where is this head? Because Los Angeles brought in um Hold on, I'll think of his name. Patrick Beverly? Yeah, Patrick Beverly. And his immediate response is, Well, I made the playoffs last year and they did. So there's your guy. You know, you want somebody to stand up with LeBron, yeah. there's your guy. He clearly doesn't care. You want somebody to put A D and Russell Westbrook in their places, he's your man. Yeah. Now, I don't like that because he the problem in LA is nobody understands their place on that basketball team. The problem in Brooklyn is that the coach can't police the players, so we're going to bring in another player to police our players yeah. well, so that maybe the coach can coach. Markeith Morris, uh, as we know, you know, he's the one that uh, played with the Lakers in their championship year 2020. Uh, good player, good coming off the bench. So he'll be a good asset to the, the, the Nets. Now, for the reason that's why they got him, as why I say they got the right one, is because... He comes with an edge, just like Pat uh, Pat Beverly does. Yeah, and so and he played with Pat Beverly. Uh, no, that was his brother that played with uh, Pat Beverly over at the with the Clippers. Um, well, he might have been there too. I'm not sure, but either way, but anyway, he, either way, he brings that edge, you know, to him. But he can also back his talk up. So when you when you get a player like that that can that can bring some kind of balance to that team, it helps you throughout the season because now you have. Kyrie and KD, who nobody's going to stand up to him. Well, this guy's going to, you know, just like Pat Beverly would do with LeBron. Like you get on your stuff. Like the season is at hand. We don't have time for this. Oh, I don't want to play. I don't feel like playing. Oh, this ain't my team. I want to. You're here. You, you know, you need to play. You need to show up and play. And that's why I believe, you know, he'll do for the Nets. And that's why I believe Pat Beverly would do for the Lakers. But when it reaches the point that your head coach can't do that, there's a problem in your organization. Well, and, and part of that is blamed on the front office. The thing is, I don't think those players respect Steve Nash as a coach. No. I think they still see him because they played when Steve Nash, well, KD did at least. Towards the end of Steve Nash's career. Yes. And so I don't think they respect him. As the same thing with Derek Fisher over with uh, at the with the Nets, I don't think they respected them respected them as a coach because they still seen them in the image of a player. I played against you at one at one point in time in my career, yeah. And now you're my head coach. It's not going to be the same. See that, but that's the thing in the NBA is now you have you're starting to see more coaches like that. The players aren't necessarily respecting the coaches now. They may do what they're told, but they don't respect them as a coach. Well, it's a part of this whole player empowerment, player entitlement movement that's going on all across sports. Yeah, and somebody, ridiculous. Yeah, and 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 my thing is, man, if you ain't got a championship to give or a ring to show. You don't have no entitlement. You you, know, you don't have no room to say what you want. Well, and Katie's ring stolen. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, he went in and stole a ring from the NBA. By going and signing with a, a team that's already championship caliber. Yeah. And then Kyrie doesn't have a ring. Well, he does. Uh, but again, LeBron. that you that's know? not his ring. Yeah. It's LeBron's ring. So, I mean, you you have to 
you, you nobody's entitled, you know. Even LeBron's not. No, nobody's ever truly entitled to anything. You have to prove yourself. You have to. You have to show that you're capable of doing certain things. And right now, Katie and Kyrie have not proven that at all. No. Uh, as of late, and when they play, when they want to play, they they're good. But as of right now, they're slapwet. You know, it's. I'm tired of hearing about it. Yeah, but that, so that's what I was about to say. There's been so much off the court. Let's just get on the court. Let's play basketball. Yeah. And let's move on. Yeah. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this. We've kind of covered a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, been uh, a good show. Yeah. Um, be looking forward uh, to seeing us this week and hearing from us this week. Uh, follow us on TikTok at good old sports East uh, underscore East text. It's uh, East E-A-S-T uh, T-X. Um, follow us on Twitter, man. We have videos posted from our Friday night coverage of games. Uh, this week, we uh, look forward to uh, being in uh, at Grace Community. Uh, possibly. Yes, possibly. Uh, and that's, that's something We'll find out more tomorrow what the plans will look like Friday. Uh, but still, look f- uh, for videos and stuff from uh, our Friday nights. We'll be somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be somewhere. Uh, but we have stuff up uh, from the weeks past. So go and check us out, man. Give us a follow, comment, like. And uh, also on our Facebook, Good Old Sports, uh, on our Facebook page, go follow us. We have videos up there, uh, highlight reels of the games that we've covered. Pretty soon we're going to be having video coverage of our show. Right, right. Uh, uh, be also, I want to encourage you, go to Tri-County Press. Yes. Look up Miss Sonia Woods in the Tri-County Press. Uh, on Facebook, go to her Facebook page. She covers um, some of the games that we're not at. We're kind of working in conjunction with her here at Good Old Sports, and we're excited about that partnership moving forward. Right. Uh, and, and and as part of RNA Media, uh, you know, and everything that we've got going, and so uh, she covers local events, local sports. Go and check her out as well. Yeah. Uh, awesome, awesome lady. She, uh, like I said, she covers the Dangerfield Pittsburgh or. Let's rather put it in the county form. Uh, Morris County, Camp County, and uh, Titus County. Yes. Uh, so she covers all, you know, those, that's why it's called Tri-County Press. And so she has coverage from all those counties, uh, not just football, but other events that's happening in the community. Uh, so, man, if you if you, uh, if you you love good coverage on news and stuff, like, go check her out. Uh, and also uh, keep up with our uh, partnership with her. Like I said, man, give us a follow or a like uh, on our social media platforms, man. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, it's been a great show. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, we'll be back with you next uh, Monday, Monday. Next Monday. Um, so, yeah, man, with more news, uh, this is Good Old Sports signing out.